to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome all you lovely people to episode 94 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, welcome to the show, <clears throat> guys and gals. Hello! I've got an exciting episode ahead for yeah, you. There it is. <laughs> um, so what's new, Taylor? Is that you? Yeah, was, oh, okay. Just, just knocking. Knocking on heaven's door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's new with me? Uh, not much. Neat. Yeah. Man, you got to start like making things up or something. Um, well, my uh, my cat died. Oh, well, you know, that happens. I don't have a cat. You don't have a cat. Cats are stupid. <laughs> you have a cat for years? No, I had a cat for a time. A time? <laughs> wasn't wasn't really my cat. Somebody else's cat. Mm. Somebody this is my roommate's cat. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, cats are dumb. <laughs> um bang up start here. This is this is the high quality entertainment you've come to expect from the Grave Plot podcast. Hey, you know, we live to live to please satisfy. <laughs> Say satisfy. That's we live to satisfy. That's not great. That's our new tagline. <laughs> we live to barely pass muster. Um I don't know what to say. Uh <clears throat> Halloween is fast approaching. Fast. It's very fun. Yeah. Fun times. Hosting a Halloween our yearly Halloween party at my house hey. for the first time. Um, I'm hoping I'm just hoping people come. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring the party. <laughs> just keep your shirt on this time. No promises. Um Yeah, I, my my wife and I went to uh Target. Because we decided on a theme, gonna do like kind of like this gothic Victorian thing, um, and it just so happened that um, Target, plug plug plug, send us money. <laughs> um, they have like this collection that's a lot of like gothic um, Victorian type stuff. I mean, I, my my feeling was like kind of like uh, like haunted mansion, like Disney haunted mansion mm-hmm. type look to it. Um, yeah, we went to Target. We we're so excited to go buy like Halloween decorations for, you know, first Halloween in our house, you know, have a bunch of people over for a sweet party. It's like, yeah, let's, let's decorate. And they didn't have shit. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's just the Target in my <clears throat> town that sucks. Uh, because like the Target up here, like in Pike Place or the Pike Center, is that what it's called? Uh, City Target. Whatever. They have it. They have like all the stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I was going to go there when I was downtown and uh, my girlfriend was like, oh, they probably don't have it out yet. And I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. Like I looked up specific items and, um, you know, said, you know, find in a store near me. It's like, like the three closest stores to me don't have any of it. I keep seeing people posting on like Instagram and they're like, oh my God, Michaels has all this cool stuff and fucking Dollar Tree has all this good stuff. And I'm like, why is no, none of the stores around me have shit? Right? Yeah. And I think I know who you're talking about is, and they're like, like I, I've started over the years started, especially after having been to the East Coast around Halloween time. I'm thinking that Halloween is much more of a thing on the East Coast than it is here. But yeah, the person you're 
referring i think you're there's multiple people oh multiple okay well yeah like i don't know halloween just doesn't seem to be a thing on the west coast and it's disappointing make halloween great again Mm. yes anyway uh actually i did look at target's website again yesterday or day before and one of the things i wanted to get they actually have it now so i don't know maybe maybe they're just kind of slowly i mean yeah it's still september yeah yeah when we went there actually in their seasonal section they still had a bunch of back to school stuff yeah same here but we'll see we'll see yeah bought a bunch of cool stuff okay thank you you need to pet her all the time i'm not gonna do that um yeah got a cool bunch of cool stuff at uh like uh the thrift stores though um then i'm gonna make look awesome sweet candelabra and some wall sconces i found this bitchin mirror with like you know it's it's funny I, i got this mirror for my grandma because she moved out of her house and basically just you know all, the whole family it's like all right well if you want anything out of the house go and take it <laughs> um and uh, i got this cool mirror that was you know got in in their house or my grandparents house for as long as i can remember um and i got it and it's got it's kind of tacky looking like it looks like it's from the 60s but it's got this really cool like wavy frame around it and it would look really cool if i painted it black to match through all the rest of the decor but it's like i don't i i doubt it's an antique but it's kind of like a heirloom type thing yeah i get what you're saying and it's like yeah i mean i could because it's gold it's like painted gold and it's like yeah i mean i could paint it black and then i could repaint it gold again but it just wouldn't be the same right but i did find this other mirror with pretty cool frame on it uh it's Kind of cool because the mirror is like super dusty. Like it must have been in the store for months, <laughs> um, if, if not years. Uh, it's just covered in dust. I'm thinking I'm just going to leave the dust on the mirror. Fuck it. There you go. <laughs> uh, maybe put like a handprint in it. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. So if, it, if you guys know where to get the hookup on some Halloween decorations, hit up Skeletoni. Let them know. And Seattle area. It's got to be cheap. Cheap is good. Gotta be cheap. Drag race outside? <laughs> what the hell that was? Uh, yeah. And so this episode, and then uh, the one here in a couple weeks, and we're into Octoberama. Octoberama's coming, folks. The most stressful time of our year. <laughs> you guys have no idea. Especially because we're going to be, well, this is the going to be the second. Or th- so we did. Last year we had to dance around my vacation and yours too, I think. Yep. Yeah. And but you're not going on vacation this year. Not in October, no. Right. Um and then when I went on my honeymoon, we had to shuffle it around. Well, that was our first year, wasn't it? Uh yeah. Yeah. Um anyway. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh Octoberama is new episodes every week. And each episode uh, revolves around a different monster. We always have Week of the Vampire, Week of the Zombie, and then we have uh, one or two, depending on how many, how many weeks are in that October. This this year, it's there's four, so it's one uh, floating monster. Yeah. I think this year the plan is Year of the Ghost or Week of the Ghost. 
Mm-hmm. And then our, our Halloween special where we review two Halloween movies. Yeah, and Week of the Zombie we, is always our um, our annual anniversary, which is there's nothing really special about those episodes. Just we've been doing it for another year. <laughs> yeah, it's just a notch on the bedpost. Uh, but yeah, that's in two episodes. First week of October is when that'll start. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, so I guess before we get any further, I want to thank our Patreon patrons. Uh, we've got, we're, we're really stacking them up. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe not as much as other shows, but you know, whatever. It's good. Good for us. Yeah. We have, uh, <laughs> we have low expectations, <laughs> but we do appreciate all of our patrons and, and those people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, and the Horror Addicts. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, we appreciate all of your money, all of your delicious money. Taylor, if anybody else wants to become one of our lovely patrons, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast and get perks for as little as $1 a month. $1 bill. I want my $2. <laughs> Better off dead. Very good. Love that movie. I actually didn't realize that movie was as popular as it is. Really? Yeah. It's John Hughes, isn't it? Um, I don't think it is, actually. Oh, really? Just feels like a John Hughes movie? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but John Cusack, <clears throat> though. My boy. Oh, that's your boy? Sure. <laughs> I like his movies. He's my boy. Okay, sure. Except Cell. Cell sucked. Cell was not very good. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, so anything, anything fun to talk about? Um, you know, I think there's one thing I want to get out of the get out of the way, get out in the open, just kind of talk about the elephant in the room here. Uh, Jeepers Creepers three is coming out. Um, we have talked about that movie in the past on the show. You mm-hmm. may have noticed we have not talked about it recently up until now. Uh, that is a conscious decision. I know this is a very polarizing topic. We have chosen we will not be reviewing Jeepers Creepers three. We will not be talking about Jeepers Creepers three beyond right now. Beyond right now, this is the last that will be mentioned on the show. Um. I know a lot of people say, you know, separate the art from the artist. For me, the big thing is Victor Salva was convicted of molesting a child on the set of one of his films. So, yes, he went to jail. He did his time. But in my opinion, he should not be allowed on another film set. No. Well, I mean, if he wants to make movies, more power to him. But I, I discourage anyone and everyone to not see them or I discourage anyone from seeing them um, because I mean, he, he's a monster. I mean, it's, it's plain and simple. He, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if he continues to prey on children, but um, he took advantage of a young boy um, and, you know, changed that guy's life forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, maybe he, he did his time, but it's like, who's, who's the judge of that? Who's the judge that, who, who, who makes that ultimate decision that he has done his time? I mean, I mean the law or society, it's like, shouldn't it be, uh, the victim that decides that he's done his time? And, you know, I, I, I can't honestly say that I've heard, I've, I've generally tried to avoid, Victor Salva news. Um, but, and you know, maybe, 
maybe the 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 kid has now moved on. I mean, I think he hasn't. He, he hasn't. Okay. No. Um, well, he, he, I believe he was actually involved in the protest that got the premiere shut down. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, this it's just fucked up. And like I said, it was on a film set. You know, if if somebody were to molest a child in a school, you know, a teacher, even if they went and did their time uh, as as far as the justice system was concerned, they would never get another teaching job again. And so I don't understand why Victor Salva is allowed to make movies anymore. Yeah. And, you know, there's... And before anyone asks, no, we're not going to be talking about any Woody Allen or Roman Polanski movies either. So... (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. Um, And, you know, it's like there's a difference. A lot of people, like, you know, it's like, how long does he have to live with this? How long does it have to continue to affect his life? I mean, should it destroy his life? It's like, well, destroy the kid's life. And it's like, think of there being a difference between someone, like, say, so, say you're driving and somebody goes out into the road, you don't see them, you hit and kill them. And then um, you, and there's a difference between that somebody, somebody driving drunk who hits and kills someone. It's like both are um, tragedies and both people, both drivers in these instances should, should, um, you know, be punished. But it's like, can we honestly say that you'd put both people on the same level? I mean, should you continue to destroy this guy who, who just couldn't make a snap decision in a completely sober state? Um, should that can continue to destroy his life? I mean, it's the same kind of situation. It's like Victor Salva consciously made the decision to molest a young boy. It's like, and yeah, that was, like I said, conscious decision. And yes, that should continue to destroy his life because he fucked up and he wasn't, um, he wasn't unable to, to not do it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, like what frustrates me is like you said at the start, the people say, "Oh, separate the art from the artist." It's like, no, fuck that. It's like that's like saying, "Oh, well, you know, Trump products are still okay to use." It's like bef- way, or it's be- like the people saying, "I still support Trump. I just don't support his racist stuff." Yeah. It's like, well, that's pretty much all there is at this point. Yeah. And that that's him. So anyway. Um so yeah, that's that's it. No more Jeepers Creepers three. No more Victor Salva. We will not be covering him on the show. We will not be covering Roman Polanski or Woody Allen or any other terrible people. Um I mean we're still gonna make fun of Donald Trump. That's never gonna change, but because well, he's a piece of shit. I mean, he just keeps giving us fodder. Like, what are we gonna do? Yeah, if if you absolutely feel the need to see Jeepers Creepers 3, like you have to complete the trilogy in your mind or whatever, and this is the only time I'll ever advocate this, pirate it illegally. Don't pay for it. Yeah. So, let's uh let's move along. Let's wash the taste out of that out of our mouths of that horrible ness. Let's do it with a hefty dose of horror business. Do my- 
We begin a real world horror. Or shall we begin? Pinhead. I get it. 30th anniversary today. Hey. All right. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh, Candyman 2, right? Candyman yeah. 1, actually. The first one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2025? I don't know. What year? Did it came out in, what, 90, 91, 92? So that would be 26... 92, so yeah, 25. Hey. Hey, Clive Barker. Tony Todd, fan, fan of the Great Pop Podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so starting out horror business with some real-world horror, as we tend to do. As we are wont to do, old-timey saying. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I told you about that, didn't I? When I saw somebody on... Uh, some website and they were like why is everyone saying won't to do all of a sudden why is everyone bringing back this old timey saying like i've been saying won't to do for 17 years what the fuck are you talking about isn't it like isn't it want to do it was spelled w-o-n-t well sure <clears throat> i always pronounce it won't well whatever you can just keep pronouncing it won't and i'll per- per- pronounce it uh want you say per pronounce per pronounce Okay, um, so once again, starting with real world horror, <laughs> we'll get there. We're back on track. Uh, we'll travel over to Mississippi, <clears throat> old Mississippi, um, in the little town of Jackson. Not a little town. I'm pretty sure it's a. Pretty sure it's <laughs> one of the bigger towns. Pretty sure it's a city. Yeah, <laughs> they probably don't like being called a town. <laughs> Jackson, Mississippi, uh, a cleaning crew. Um, what were they cleaning? Um, they were removing and burning trash at a recently purchased home. Got it. So they were hired to just kind of clean out the old stuff so ah. the new family could move in. Got it. Okay, so um, so they're doing their cleaning. They're just cleaning and cleaning, picking stuff up and whistling while they work. And then they find this big old lump um, wrapped up in a blue tarp. A lump, a lump. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, naturally, they want to see, well, what's wrapped up in this tarp? What's the lump? <laughs> and it just so happened to be a decomposing body. What the shit? Or, I guess, decomposed, past tense. Yeah. Um, they say, uh, I guess the authorities uh, said that... Authorities. Um They say the remains are too decomposed to even identify the gender. So, I mean, I imagine that's got to go to, like, forensics where they can... Does that mean his wiener decomposed off if it's a guy? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Taylor. What a way to go. <laughs> Idiots. Um, I mean, that that's easy f- for, like, forensic investigators to identify. Like, I mean, they can look at, you know, bone structure. I think particularly, like, the pelvis. They can tell by looking at that what... If it was a male or female. That would make sense. Um, but anyway, uh, the police do not know how long the remains have been there. This seems like like day one stuff. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I, obviously, I'm not a cop or a forensic investigator, but it seems like this is stuff that you can kind of determine fairly quickly, unless it's like just been mummified. I mean, if it's decomposed to the point where you can't even tell what gender it is, I would say a decent amount of time. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah. Um, of course, this is Mississippi. So, I mean, yeah, I imagine weather and humidity are play into that. True. I'm wondering how long since the last family moved out. 
Like, do they know? Was this body there and they knew it? <laughs> I imagine they're probably was this like a Norman Bates situation. Or? <laughs> I imagine they're the, the previous tenants are probably on the list of people to talk to. Yes. I mean, if I was running their investigation, they would probably be the first people I talked to. But, um, but uh, yeah, they're investigating the case as a, quote, suspicious death. Um, I mean, if you find a dead body wrapped in a tarp, I can, I can imagine that qualifying is suspicious. Yeah, and apparently it, uh, they believe it suffered a trauma to the head. Right. I assume that means some kind of like breakage in the skull. Yeah, or something. Big old dent. <laughs> I don't think bones dent. You don't know? You're not a bonologist. I'm not bones of the TV show Bones. Yeah. <laughs> they should get bones. Sure. She can solve all the crimes from looking at bones. <laughs> and then they get Sam Weir too, right? Uh, and Angel, yeah, and Angel. He's the, he's he's the the crux. Like he's like the most important part because he's he's got that cocky cop attitude, but he's also like a really smart investigator. I know nothing about this show other than who these people are. You never watch Bones? Never. Oh, I I, I liked it like the earlier seasons. Um, <laughs> I think this past season was it's. Was it's still on. I think this final season was last. Oh, I could have sworn that show got canceled a long time ago. No, it should have though. <laughs> like it, I mean, you know, um, Bones and 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 Angel. <laughs> um, you know, there was always this like kind of sexual tension between them, and then they finally like hooked up. It was just like moonlighting. I mean, the show just kind of dropped off when that happened. And then Sam Weir videotaped him. What? What? I'm trying to figure out how Sam Weir got involved. He was a, a psychologist. He so they is he like their group therapist, like couples therapy or? Uh, actually, yeah. Like the FBI <laughs> insisted that they because you know they were working so close together um, and going through so many dramatic cases together that the FBI told them they need to do some counseling together so they can. You know, remain a functional partnership. They swing. Hmm? They swing with Sam Weir. No, does he get in there? No, Sam Weir's not involved in the relationship. Beside being a maybe he is. I just don't show it. Just off camera. His name was uh, God. None of this matters. Can we get back on top? <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Hines County Coroner Sharon Grisham Stewart. Told the police that it appears to be a person that suffered you know, bad trauma to the head, um, and uh, the investigation is ongoing. Um, so this reminds me of um, Stir of Echoes. Yeah, a little bit. Sorry, spoiler alert for Stir of Echoes. Sorry, there's a dead body. There's a body in the walls, guys. That uh, guy is Kevin Bacon the whole time. That's not true. He's not Kevin Bacon the whole time? The body in the wall? No, not the body in the wall. Oh. The guy who finds the body in the wall. Oh, yeah. This is Kevin Bacon. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that guy in the wig? That's Bruce Willis. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So, it, it, you know, we don't know who it is, but it's still tragic. Yeah. I mean, what? A, that's, that's a terrible way to die. Seriously. I mean, some kind of head trauma and then... Instead of you just rot in your home, presumably wrapped in a tarp, couldn't be not even your home, right? Anyway, 
let's uh let's move on <laughs> when you're out at a club and you see a fly girl do the creep oh. and do the creep oh. and if you want to make friends at the atm do the creep oh. and do the creep oh. well we got a new dance so get up on your feet so one of our favorite movies of 2000 something was uh, Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce's Creep. And we are uh, excited to hear that Creep 2 officially got its release date and synopsis. Uh, Creep 2 stars... Excite. Creep 2 stars Desiree Akavan as Sarah, a video artist whose primary focus is creating intimacy with lonely men. So she's like Trish the Dish. (laughs) She just preys on lonely men. <laughs> uh, after finding an ad online for, quote, video work, she thinks she may have found the subject of her dreams. She drives to a remote house in the forest and finds a man, played by Mark Duplis, claiming to be a serial killer. That's the, that's the point where you leave. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, call the police now. <laughs> like, who in their fucking right mind would just hang out and say, uh, okay, I'm going to see where this goes. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, apparently, because <laughs> she uh, she is unable to resist the chance to create a truly shocking piece of art. So she agrees to spend the day with him, but discovers she may have dug herself a hole from which she cannot escape. Oh, you mean hanging out with a serial killer was a bad idea? <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Now, is that a literal hole? You think he, you think he buries her alive? Or he <laughs> just like puts her in a hole like fucking Buffalo Bill? Put the lotion on the skin. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it could be either of those things. <laughs> it could also just be a metaphor. <laughs> uh, like the first one, this was written by Mark, Mark Duplis and Patrick Bryce and directed by Bryce. Uh, Bryce says, we hope Creep 2 will bring a new level of fear, discomfort, and joy to loyal fans and newcomers alike. Me too. Yeah. I hope it does those things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, it's going to come on... VOD on October 24th, and then it will be on Netflix sometime after that, but before the end of 2017. So, so sometime before this date, but but after this date, it's somewhere right in the middle. Somewhere between October 24th and December 31st. Yeah. It'll be on Netflix. It'll be on VOD October 24th. They want to make you buy it first. Do we have room in the schedule for that? Nope. Shit. This is what happens when we schedule so far in advance. This is what happens when fucking Octoberama. This is true. Yeah, we're going to miss Death House, too. Well, no, we're not. No, we're not. thought we were. Death House comes out in uh, 2018. Look out for one of the first episodes of 2018, guys. going to review Death House. Death House. Uh, cool. Peach cool. Fuzz. Cool, cool, cool. Peach Fuzz is coming back. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I I liked the first creep probably more than I won't say more than I should have, but um, more than I expected to. More than I expected to. Yeah, I, and I feel like it gets better with each watch. I've only watched it uh, a couple times. Um, I think I've watched it three times. I mean, for me, I'm the type of person was like, if it's got like some kind of weird twist ending, it doesn't play as well the second time. Yeah. I mean, I, I still enjoy the movie, but it's just like, okay, well, I know how it ends, so the <laughs> the thrill's gone a little bit. Um, but I still enjoy it. I'm looking, really looking forward to the second one. Um, and, My uh, only fear is that it's just going to be like the same story with a different character. 
But I, I really hope they find a way to kind of amp it up and. Yeah, because I mean, this description definitely does sound that way. Yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that she more or less knows right off the bat that he's a killer. Yeah, that's an interesting. Like, like we were saying, you know, why would you stick around? Yeah, I mean, it's like behind the mask. Um, but that kind of plays to a different degree, I guess. That's, I think that plays a little more towards like comedic value. Yeah. And creep, there were funny parts, but it was like awkward funny. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, he's naked. <laughs> this is weird, right? That tub scene is so fucking awkward. <laughs> but, Tubby yeah. time. No, I found a new respect for uh, Duplass. I always thought it was pretty funny, but now I like actually can take him seriously as an actor. Have you watched Room 104 at all? Uh, no. Me neither. <laughs> cool story. <laughs> I want to. I just haven't done it because I don't have HBO. I don't have HBO either. I used to, but they took it away from me. Womp womp. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I signed up for HBO or no, for Netflix, no, God damn it, what am I doing? When I signed up for cable again, um, like, because we were at the end of our contract, and I was re-upping. And I said, hey, you know, the price is going up quite a bit. I'm thinking about going somewhere else. I mean, can you, I mean, you know, schmoozing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you, can you do anything? I was like, well, we can do this and this and this. And basically, got back down to where I was price-wise. Um, and he said, and I can, I can do three months of HBO, but beyond that, because we had uh, – free 48 months or no, sorry, 24 months when we signed up so essentially two years so it expired with our two-year contract i said well we, we can't we can't really do those free one or two years anymore because hbo is fucking us so we can't give it out free anymore anyway so i don't have it that's my story that's so good that's my life guys anyway moving on <laughs> I tell neat stories. No, you don't. <laughs> so I put down all this violence in the reserve of me. Why destroy your baby love? Can't tell my face that way. And when somebody wants you back, now you will bring me up. You can't even wait to inside your watch. Do anybody really want me to talk about this? I'm probably. Stupid. Sometimes stupid stories are fun because we can just rail on them. So because they just they just won't stop with the purge movies. They won't they won't stop. It'll never stop. We're gonna it's like a purge binge. <laughs> oh nobody gets that. Nobody gets that joke. You stupid. Some people get you it. Stupid, stupid man. Smart people get it. <laughs> Um. Okay, so they're making another Purge movie. You just like do a rail over there. What's going on? Nobody knows. Like I've um, I was over across the mountains, and there's still a shitload of smoke over there mm. from the wildfires. Don't wildfires. Don't set fires, guys. Yeah, maybe don't throw smoke bombs in ravines during dry seasons. Little for idiot. starters. Uh, fireworks are bad news. Um. Anyway. Yeah, so it was over there with just the smoke and just my sinuses have been fucked up ever since. Okay, so making another Purge movie is going to be called The Island, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's going to be a prequel. 
Yeah. Taking it back to the first purge, because that's a thing that we care about, apparently. Yeah. So it's like, okay, all we have, guys, is we can make these movies about the purge. Like, basically, every every year, people go out and kill people. But we've done that three times already. So let's do the first one. Like, let's show where the purge came from. It's like, well, why? Yeah. Who really cares? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I didn't care about the normal purge, let alone <laughs> like the first one. Uh, okay, but James DeMonaco, director, kind of creator, mm-hmm. writer, director, the one responsible. Um, he says, "I was wondering how you get people to stay for the first purge." Which I'm, I'm going I'm to do a voice for him. Anyway, you, you have absolutely no evidence that this is in any way what he sounds like, but. <laughs> This is just going to be your impression. I'm going to do a bit. <laughs> I was wondering how you get people to stay for the first purge. Why does he sound like William Hickey? Because he's a dork. <laughs> I don't like his movies. <laughs> he makes me mad. I was wondering how you get people to stay for the first purge. And what they do is start monetizing it. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> People from Staten Island can easily go to Brooklyn for the evening. Can they? Is it easy? From Staten Island? Fuck no. (laughs) So it makes me wonder if he's ever been to New York. Like from Manhattan? Sure. (laughs) Getting to anywhere from Staten Island is not easy. (laughs) They probably like it that way. You gotta take a fucking ferry. Fucking ferry. God damn it. There's like, I mean, you can, there are like land, or there are bridges to like Long Island. Yeah. But not Staten Island. I don't believe so. Huh. Okay. People can go from Staten Island, or people from Staten Island can easily go to Brooklyn for the evening. So apparently not true. Uh, so what they do is start promising very decent sums of money for the very poor people in the neighborhood. I don't I don't get where he's going with this. What does going from Staten Island to Brooklyn have to do with... And who is they? The people from Staten Island? Are they just paying people to let them kill them? I think they just... That seems like... like like if somebody's like, "Hey, I'll give you a, a flobbity jillion dollars to let me kill you," I'd be like, "What? That money's going to do me no good in yeah, about forty-five minutes." Yeah. <laughs> like, can I at least kick you in the nuts? <laughs> um, very decent sums of money for the very poor people in the neighborhood. It becomes a monetization of murder and of murder and murder violence. most foul, <laughs> incentivizing killing and keeping people around for them to be victims. So you see the inception of how grotesque the idea of the pur- purge is and the manip- manipulation upon society. So, so wait, are they paying these people to let them kill them or are they paying them to kill other people for their enjoyment? I don't know. I'm confused as to what he's talking about. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so fucking lost. I mean, if he's paying people, if they're paying people to kill people, I mean, they're just hitmen. There's nothing really thrilling about that. Well, and the purge was never about like entertainment. It wasn't about like, paying somebody to kill somebody else for your inter- enjoyment. It's population control. Yeah, um, and it was you know crime control because the, their theory was if everyone spends 24 hours purging, then they don't commit crimes the other 364 days of the year, which is bullshit. No, that's never not happen. <laughs> it's like you give somebody a license to kill, they're going to do it every day. Um, yeah, all you're going to do is make people bloodthirsty. Right. Uh, 
Okay, this this is dumb already. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's but but wait, it's he says it's so kick ass in the third act. Kick ass. What's fun too is that there's an anti-hero. Oh, so, so like, like the Frank last Grillo? two two one. Yeah. Um, more than the previous films, there's a singular hero in this movie. What do you mean more? More, like Frank Grillo was the singular hero in. Well, I never saw Election Day, but in uh, the other dumb one. Yeah, the one you made me watch. Yeah, what was that one called? Purge Apocalypse or something? Annihilation. I don't know. Some <laughs> stupid video game subtitle. Um, this is one man's journey. William, an anti-hero who was inspired by Eastwood and Unforgiven. This, this sounds like Frank Grillo. <laughs> What was his character's name? Sarge? I thought Sarge was somebody else. I don't know. I don't fucking care. His name was Billiam. <laughs> Billiam. <laughs> Slappy. <laughs> Slappy. Uh, so it's this very cool modern kind of badass who redeems himself through the story. Okay. Anarchy. That's what it was. Um, oh, you got it. Too slow. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were looking over my shoulder, and that was where you got it. No, I just remembered. It was an A word. I remember that. You're an A word. <laughs> my name is Anthony. You're right. I'm an A word. Oh, way to turn it around. <laughs> Stupid asshole. Um, yeah, this is Anarchy. Oh, yeah, his name was Sarge. Sergeant Leo Barnes. Whatever. This is dumb. I want, like... Mm, I was going to say maybe I'd see Jeepers Creepers 3 before I see this, but that's that's probably a bold statement. That's not even just like a bad movie. That's going against your morals. Yeah. I have very strong morals against these movies, though. <laughs> and it's it's solely just because they're bad and dumb. Like, like dumb concepts. Dumb story. This really sounds like he's like selling the same movie and trying to tell us it's different. Yeah. But you're doing a really bad job. You should you should hire like a publicist to do this for him because he's yeah, really is, bad at it. This is not good. I'm not I'm not buying what you're selling, Mr. Demonico. So I mean I want to tell you guys heart to heart here. Yeah, down in my heart to heart pose here. I can't see it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Are you gonna, like, if you if you, you like, want, do you have a pipe? I feel I like would, you need a pipe right now. I wish I had a pipe. <clears throat> Guys, I'll tell you right now. If you like the Purge movies, you need to reassess your life. <laughs> Something has gone awry, and you need to fix your mistakes. Who hurt you? Me? <laughs> no, them. Oh, yeah. I know something maybe has happened in your life to make you enjoy these movies for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> but they're not good. And you need to take that into consideration. This is a safe space. We're your friends. We're telling you the right way to go. We're all here because we love you. Okay, that's it. <clears throat> so this is a purge intervention. <laughs> purge, purge, purge intervention. No, that's not good. That's, that's, that's not a thing. A... <laughs> purge intervention. Okay. All right. Fuck the purge. Moving on. The picture of Dorian Gray. Fear in your eyes will never lie about The picture of Dorian Gray 
know, some of you may be familiar with the singer, uh, songwriter, guitarist, uh, St. Vincent. No. No? Really? I mean, only because of her previous film work, but other than that, no. Oh, you never heard any of her music? No. It's not good. <laughs> good. Um, I mean, some people like it, I guess. But anyways. Some people uh, like The Purge. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Seems like a very, very different crowd. Uh St. Vincent, real name Annie Clark, uh, previously directed a segment for the movie Double uh, X or XX X. that we reviewed exclusively on Patreon. Uh, Check that out at patreon.com slash podcast. Bring money. Uh, her segment was called Birthday Party and starred Rose from Two and a Half Men. It did star that, that person. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever see I'm Not at Home in This World anymore? Yes. That was pretty good. It wasn't bad. Actually, you know, I don't think I finished it. Not not because I didn't want to. It's just I think I got distracted and just never finished it. But mm. Well, uh, Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent. St. Vincent, senor. I don't know why I turned into East L.A. Mexican right there, but um, she will make her d- feature-length directorial debut. I think you should give it to Marcino. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, oh, her feature-length directorial debut will be a new version of the Portrait of Dorian Gray, which has been made about a dozen times. Actually, more than a dozen times. Like it, it came out. Uh, over a hundred years ago, so yeah, the novel was was written in 1890 by one Oscar Wilde. Uh, the most recent version, not necessarily of the portrait of Dorian Gray, but of Dorian Gray himself that you would know it would be uh, Josh Hartnett in Penny Dreadful. Nope, would be some guy in Penny Dreadful who's yep. not Josh Hartnett. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's the twist. A twist. You ready for this, Dorian Gray? Is going to be a lady. Dumb. <laughs> Dharma. Her name's Dharma. Dharma Gray. Dorian could be a, could be a woman's name. No. Sure it could. No. Daria. Daria. Daria Gray. And it's like a real life version of the Daria from the MTV show. I would, I would watch that. I'd so watch that. <laughs> That's going to be written by David Burke who previously wrote the movie L and is also writing the upcoming Slender Man movie for Sony. Um, this adaptation will follow the same storyline as the original, which is a narcissistic hedonist sells her soul to be forever young, committing evil deeds to keep her secret. Yep. She, <laughs> and she, uh, she like Frank Grillo and William is in she will be an anti-hero much like frank grillo and william from the purges i think she might just like uh be like a anti i don't know maybe yeah just like anti-hero because she's not a hero and you just don't like her because <laughs> dorian grace kind of a shitty person yeah well yeah I mean, they use they use the word hedonist to to yeah, basically mean just shitty person. Oh man, someone who's just like out for self should just do a Dorian Gray movie with hedonism bot. (laughs) 
I'd watch that. <laughs> That'd be my favorite version of Dorian Gray. <laughs> come smell, come spread jam on my stomach. Oh. So that's what it's going to be like, is just this woman having guys spread jam on her stomach. <laughs> oh, man. So my wife has been listening to this podcast. Not ours. Not this one. No, not this one. <laughs> a podcast called uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Basically, this guy uh, sits down with his two friends, a man and a woman, um, and reads chapters from these books that his dad wrote. Uh, he self-published them on Amazon, but they're erotic novels, and they're so bad. <laughs> like, this guy, like, I, the guy actually says, like, had, were I not evidence, I would assume my my dad had never had sex with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> So now I want Glenn Howerton to make a podcast of Dennis Reynolds and Erotic Life. <laughs> Your balls are awesome. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> cool. The penis or the mouth is, for, is not for the exit of words, but for the insertion of a penis. <laughs> uh. This podcast, one of the chapters in the second book, because each season, each episode is a chapter out of a book, and each season is a, a different book, because he's published like three or four of them. <laughs> um, in the second one, I don't know the context. My wife just played for me the, this one little part, but said like the main character, Belinda, she's in an elevator. Belinda. Yeah. The, the series is called Belinda Blinked. Interesting. Because she blinks. Like when she doesn't have a response to something, she just, like it says, Belinda blinked. <laughs> anyway, so she's in an elevator with this woman. She's like, hello, my name is Christine, and this is my ass. <laughs> what the fuck? And then Belinda greeted Christine by putting her tits on her ass. <laughs> rubbing rubbing her tits on her ass. And my wife showed me that. I'm like, well, that's that's how lesbians have sex. Duh. That's how you get things going. <laughs> That's how you get the juices flowing. What the fuck? <laughs> it's it's so weird. She thinks it's like fucking like hilarious. Like she was trying to tell me a story and she was she couldn't catch her breath and she was like crying, trying to just tell me this one part. It's pretty funny, but I don't think it's as, <laughs> as funny as she does. <laughs> but anyway. So Dorian Gray. There's that. Ass on tits. Oh, please put that in there. Because <laughs> why not? Like in a, like a fucking weird hedonist? Why wouldn't they try that? Yeah. <laughs> they just walk in out there and just say, hey, here's my ass. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's my tits. When you're, like, when you're a teenager, I mean, I should, like a teenage boy, you just put it anywhere. <laughs> like, like, like when you're first, like in your first lay, you just put it wherever. Like you just rub it on any part of the body. Just. Just because. Like, is it in? That's my thigh. <laughs> well, not even like not even insertion is a goal. It's just like it's like, what if I put it there? <laughs> so that's my elbow. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> no. It's like I wonder what it feel like if I if I just just lay it on her stomach. <laughs> Try that out. <laughs> Wait, you didn't do that? I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Maybe it was a hedonist when I was a teenager. 
Okay. Get all the shitty stories. Because I wrote the horror business. You're a prick. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, these I put these two back to back because they go together. Mm. I'd rather do the next story. Yeah, but you would. We're on my wheelhouse. <laughs> Houses don't have wheels. You're, Those are trailers. You're a trailer. <laughs> trailer. Trash. Don't know. You're a trailer trash. I never lived in a trailer. It's a mobile home. <laughs> Double wide. What the fuck is that? Chism. Is that, a... that looks like a booger. I'm pretty sure there's a booger on your chair. Did you put it there? No. I'm not did a you, child. Did you, did you call my burrito? <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. So, um, CW is making an all-female made. Speaking of female horror empowerment. Right. Mm, because they fit together. It's, it's called a segue, asshole. <laughs> I'll segue you. I don't know what that means. Me either. Okay. So, um, yeah, CW is making an all-female horror anthology show i guess um yes show <laughs> mm, yes mm. shoe <laughs> uh it's gonna be called the black rose anthology uh the entire writing and directing team will be women um which you know em- empowerment more power to them i'll be sure i mean we need more women in hollywood and especially in horror so yeah i mean there are obviously women in horror but they're i mean as far as like the real upper echelon, I, I mean, I guess I don't know. That's necessarily the word I'm looking for, but like right out in the public eye, you know, like where there's going to be a lot of people seeing it, um, like on a you know TV network. Um, yeah, but definitely more women needed in the horror genre. Quite. Because women are just as fucked up as men. If not more so. Probably more so. I've seen the shit that the Saskas and Gigi Guerrero put out. Yeah. It's some fucked up shit. And they're Canadian. Imagine what Americans could do. Right? <laughs> they're like so polite. They are. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that maybe they're so fucked up because they're so polite and they're just like holding in all this anger. Just the, the fucked up shit in their heads. Yeah. And then they just make like professional wrestlers tear people apart and shit. <laughs> Um, it's uh, being developed by Drew Barrymore's Flower Films, and former Scream showrunner Jill Blotvogel. Blotvogel, that's not a good last name. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just not. Blotvogel, Blotvogel. I'd change it. Blotvogel. I, I mean, I can't imagine any like even the correct way to saying. It. I can't imagine. Yeah, none. Nice. None of those seem like good options. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, she. <laughs> Blotivo jail. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like some kind of sexual aid. Um, But she will be writing the pilot episode. Um, 
I don't know if having a, the Scream showrunner is really something you want to brag about. No, because Scream was really bad. To the point where they're already rebooting it. Right. They're rebooting a TV show. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> well, that's sink in. Um, and she's not the showrunner anymore. Right. Add that, add that to the pile. Um, but classic themes of horror, or sorry, terror, will be tackled via vi- vignettes. Vignettes, yep. Vignettes. Uh, vignettes uh, about guilt, jealousy, repression, paranoia, insanity, sexual obsession, and survival through a modern and distinctly feminine lens. Not entirely sure what that means, but I don't know. It sounds like they're tackling a lot of like, um, like internal horrors. Yep. A lot of like psych- psychological horror kind of things. Not so much like monsters. I mean, maybe they're told through stories of monsters and demons and whatever. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be. <laughs> None of us know. Nope. I don't know nothing. Nobody, nobody tells me nothing. <laughs> um, and we don't know when that's coming out, so that's that's fun. CW is really like seems like they're trying to sink their teeth into the horror genre. Yeah, superheroes and and horror. Yeah, yeah, because they've got iZombie, Supernatural, uh, Vampire, whatever's Vampire somethings. Yeah, somethings or others. Vampire Diaries. Is that what's called? I don't know. Who cares? I think Vampire Diaries is. I think it's done. I don't think I'm making it anymore. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, (coughs) So, check that out someday. (laughs) Maybe. Probably. So, later in this episode, we're going to be talking about the movie It, directed by one Andres Muschietti, or Muschietti. Do you know how to pronounce his name? Muschietti. I've never actually heard it. I've only just seen it. Or Muschietti. No, that'd be... Muschietti. No, no, Muschietti. It's Muschietti. Muschietti. Uh, Anyways, uh, Paramount apparently has acquired the rights to... The book Dracul, which is a prequel to the uh, to Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, written by his son. I actually don't know who, don't know who wrote it. Oh, his uh, offshoot of some kind, uh, Doc Doc Docker Daker. How do you how do you pronounce that? I, I don't know. Weird Irish names. D A C R E Doc Docra Stoker Daker Daker Stoker, as well as J D Barker. Uh, it's the first prequel authorized by the estate of Bram Stoker for obvious reasons. Um, it tells uh, la, 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 set in 1868 where a 21 year old Bram Stoker meets with an ungodly evil that he traps in an ancient tower, all the while scribbling the events that led him there. Uh, you're probably asking what the hell does this have to do with Andre Muschietti? Apparently, uh, Paramount has already decided that he's going to direct this. <laughs> what if they talk to him about that? <laughs> Because I think he has other ideas. Yeah. he. Uh, I mean, he's already said that it, too, is going to be his priority. 
Yeah, and he wants to do Pet Cemetery. Yeah, and then uh, he's got another movie called something sci-fi-ish. That's not the name. <laughs> That's a terrible name. I don't know. It's kind of a cool. It could be like a good like, uh, like a comedy kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> I don't know. It's something. He's Argentinian. But yeah, so this apparently they've already decided that he's going to direct this someday in the future. Good. <laughs> After he makes 14 other movies. Yeah. <laughs> Back to work, slave. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, he must have signed uh, a, a, a deal with Paramount because it was it's new line. Paramount owns new line. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, New Line, Paramount, was that was it. Um, and if he's going to be doing it, too, and presumably Pet Cemetery. I mean, he doesn't have the right to Pet Cemetery or anything. That's just, well, no, that's but, just what he said he wants to do. But. but when that boy sets his mind to something, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> yeah? Tell me what? I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm saying. Robotech. That's what he wants to make after it, too. That doesn't sound good. That's a bad title. I don't care what it's about. It's a bad title. (laughs) It doesn't sound entertaining. Nope. It sounds like a documentary. Sounds like... About um, a robot company. (laughs) Sounds like some shitty straight-to-video movie from, like, the early 90s. Yeah. He should change the title. It's not a good title. <laughs> Whatever it's about, change the title. That could be your working title. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> change it. There's no good. All right. That's enough talking about that. Yep. Fuck it. But I mean, the a prequel to Dracula is interesting. Uh, Have you read this book? No, I haven't. Actually, I hadn't, hadn't even heard of it, surprisingly, because I love Dracula. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to look into this. I wonder if it's right. good. Report back. Okay, I will. All right, before we get to our movie reviews, um, I, by myself, all by my lonesome, got a chance to speak with filmmaker Jimmy George. Get off my case, bro. It's not my fault. <laughs> um, I, would, I was going to introduce all the things that Jimmy George has done, but I did that in the interview. So here is my interview with Jimmy George. Hey everyone, this is Taylor of Terror. Uh, Tony is out of town at the moment, so I am flying solo, but I am here with uh, one of the writers and producer of a film that we reviewed last Halloween, WNUF Halloween Special, as well as Call Girl of Cthulhu and the upcoming What Happens Next Will Scare You. I'm here with Jimmy George. How you doing, Jimmy? Great, man. How are you? Oh, you know, can't complain. I don't know how things are in Seattle, but um, here in Baltimore, it's finally feeling like fall, like the last two days. So it really is like perfect weather to, you know, transition into the Halloween season. So we're pretty excited around here. It literally seems like it changed overnight here. Really? That's cool. That's great. So it feels like fall there too? 
yeah, yesterday was like 80 something degrees. And then today is like mid sixties and it's, it's beautiful. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Today's a beautiful day too. Definitely. Yeah. I went and uh, picked up some, some new Halloween decorations today. So nice. That's awesome. Last year I, uh, we had a production meeting for what happens next will scare you early in September. So I used that as an excuse to decorate my house for Halloween. So like when everybody got there, it was like decked out in Halloween and it was like September 1st. So everybody's like, Oh shit, you celebrate early. Um, not usually in this house, but, uh, it gave me a good excuse. It was fun. Perfect. I'm a talker, man. Watch out. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> My wife says I speak in paragraphs. <laughs> What's um, up? What's uh? Well, so one question that we like to ask every one of our guests is, what's the first movie you can remember that really kind of cemented your love of horror? Not necessarily the first one you saw, but the first one that really just kind of stuck with you. Oh, man, without a doubt. Very easy answer for me. Um, <clears throat> I was born in 1980, so uh, I was seven years old when I saw The Lost Boys. Um, and, uh, that was, it wasn't my first horror movie, but, uh, I saw Poltergeist before that. Uh, My parents were, uh, very, they, they did not shield us from stuff and they let us watch, uh, you know, pretty much anything from, from a young age. Like I saw Terminator when, when I was a little kid and all of the crazy stuff. Uh, my parents never uh, kept me from seeing that stuff. Um, that turned out all right. Um, (laughs) the, so when I saw Lost Boys, um, I had a dream that night, and it was like my first nightmare. Like, I remember it well. And and in the nightmare, um, my whole family and all my friends turned into vampires, and I had to kill them. And uh, I woke up, and uh, yeah, I pretty much, as, as scary as that was, like, I loved horror from that day um, just because, like, it, you know, it gave me such an experience. And I and I, I love that about the horror genre. Like, when you watch a horror movie, like, it feels like you survived when it's done well, you know? Yeah. And uh, we don't really get that experience very often, at least most of us in life. And I feel like it could be a very cathartic experience. Um, so, yeah. yeah so I always tell people... Without a doubt. I always tell people, and they, it, it seems counterproductive, but I, I watch horror movies to feel safe. Yeah, that's, no, it's a good, that's a really good point. How about you, man? What was yours? Uh, for me, it was Dawn of the Dead. Oh, uh, how old were you then? See, I was, I was older. My parents didn't let me watch stuff. My mom wouldn't even let me watch, like, Thelma and Louise because there was too many F-words yeah. in it. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't get into it until <laughs> later in life. But uh, I was actually, I watched it on my lunch break over the span of like two or three days while I was at work. And that, wow. that was the first one that I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> the, the original or the remake? The, oh, I, the original. I like them both. The original? I, okay, yeah. The, the remake is a, is a soft spot for me. I, uh, I just, I can't do running zombies. It's just not right. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to like it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like both of them. I mean, for different reasons. For one thing, I worked in a mall for 17 years. So like pretty much any horror movie in a mall setting, um, <laughs> like shopping mall, I fucking love shopping mall. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's awesome. Dawn of the Dead. Yep. For me, Lost Boys, without a doubt, without a doubt. What I love about that question is that we get so many different answers. 
And I, I always expect, you know, we're going to get a repeat of Halloween or The Exorcist, but it seems like almost every time it's something new. That's cool. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people say Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2. We've had people um, say Thriller. Thriller. Oh, I yeah. could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess starting off, what was the, the first film that you made? Uh, we made a film in 2006. We shot it in 2006, and then uh, we premiered it in 2007 called Book of Lore, okay. um, which is also a Halloween movie. It's basically like urban legends, except all the urban legends are made up and all take place. They're all uh, specific to this small town, and everybody starts uh, getting killed from these uh, very uh, unique, weird urban legends of the town. Um, and uh, there's a book that connects it all. It's uh, it's uh, less supernatural and more like in, in line with Seven. Okay, now is it a comedy too? There's comedy. There's a lot of comedy. We've always uh, we've always infused our stuff with comedy. A lot of that is attributed to. I mean, that's the style of storytelling that Chris and I love. We we love stuff. Uh, Chris LaMartina, the 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 guy, uh, the other uh, my cinematic better half, um, who is the guy I've been uh, making movies with for the last ten years of Midnight Crew Studios. It's just the two of us uh, who run this production company, and. Um, We've been making movies, uh, seven movies in the last 10 years while working full-time jobs. So it's been really, really hard. Um, And uh, yeah, Book of Lore, uh, it's really rough. Um, It was our first thing. Chris had made a feature before that when he, um, like when he was in high school, which is just crazy, um, called Dead Teenagers. But our first movie together was Book of Lore. And uh, we won a festival. Out, it's funny, we got rejected from every single festival we entered except for one. And that festival, we won it. And we were up against, like, uh, a Kevin Tenney movie. And uh, every every feature in there was, like, uh, between 250000 to, like, $10 million budget. And uh, our movie, Book Floor, it was like an $8,000 budget with no-name actors uh, shot on an XL2, which is like a really shitty dinosaur camera from like <laughs> early 2000s. And uh, we lit it with like clamp lights from Home Depot. And like, uh, you know, like our generator was the, like the thing you use to charge your battery when you like die on, in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, and it was literally the crew was me and Chris and then everybody who was acting in it um, would, you know, wear other hats. But pretty much the crew, the core crew was me, Chris, uh, and our friend Darren Mosier, who did the effects. It was skeleton crew, man, and a learning experience. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's funny to talk. It's fun to talk about. It. I haven't talked about it in so long. Um, but yeah, so I don't. Had you had you ever heard of that? Did were you familiar with that film at all? No. It's okay. I don't expect anyone to be. <laughs> um, it's even like out of print. Like you can, I mean, you can find it on eBay and on Amazon used, but uh, um, it's not going new anywhere. Um, yeah. No Blu-ray special edition. Oh, dude, it's, it's shot in standard definition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Blu-ray would do it no good. And so then after that was uh, 
WNUF or was Call of Girl of Cthulhu uh, first? Oh no, man, we've made seven. So the <laughs> the ones you mentioned were our most recent ones. Um, you want me to go down the line? <laughs> uh, sure, why not? Uh, we made a movie after that. Um, it's it was it was an anthology movie. Basically, here was the situation: we didn't have any money. I mean, we almost never have any money. Um, we make these movies for very little money. Um, and, uh, you know, through the volunteer efforts of everyone involved, like nobody gets paid. Uh, the only people who get paid are um, the wonderful people who are willing to get uh, naked on screen. And those are the people that we pay. Um, but in our first uh, two movies, we were like very um, adamant that we weren't going to go that route. We weren't going to do gore. We were going to, it was going to be about the, the strength of the story and uh, less blood, boobs, and beast. Uh, and uh, we quickly learned that without having the blood, boobs, and beast, uh, no one wants to distribute or talk about your movie. Um, so it's much harder to sell. Movie, Grave, it's, it's hard to sell. Yeah, yeah. We learned a lot about marketing throughout the process. Um, if I knew what I knew now about all aspects of the filmmaking process, our first two movies, Chris and I would have done them completely different. We wouldn't have made the first one because, like, when you try to explain it in, like, a sentence, um, you can't because it's not a marketable story. <laughs> um, but uh, so great mistakes. We had just finished Book of Lore, um, and we had no money, um, but we were itching to keep going. And so we hatched a plan to uh, make an anthology film because we thought it was, like, really piecemeal. Um, and it was something that we could do on nights and weekends with for very little money. So we actually only spent about $2,000 on Great Mistakes. And uh, that one got in a couple festivals, and uh, it ended up being distributed together with Book of Lore, our first film, on a double-feature DVD through uh, Alternative Cinema. Um, and then... The year after that, um, we made our first, like, movie that feels like a real movie. Uh, we we kind of call that our first real movie, even though the other two are features, because um, we had a bigger crew. We had, like, an eight-man crew. Um, we shot it in 720, because that at that time in 2009, like, HD was just sort of really taking off. Um, and so uh, we shot it in 720, and... Uh, we had like a like an eight man crew, and it's a it's called President's Day. And what's what's really funny about this is there's a movie that just came out called President's Day, and those guys like straight up ignored the fact that five years before um, we had made this same movie. And like if you look at the marketing, it's kind of insane. It, like they they totally ripped it off. But that's another story. Um, I only mention it because people keep tagging all of our accounts like our Facebook and our Twitter. And uh, we keep getting messages of people talking about this movie that's not ours. <laughs> like, hey, dude, I just reviewed your movie. And it's like, no, nope, that's not you ours. Didn't. That's another movie uh, with killer, a killer president um, called President's Day. It's not ours. But anyway, uh, it's basically a high school uh, slasher take on, on the movie Election. Uh, it is a fictional Lincoln High School and uh, it's a bunch of uh, student council members getting getting killed off during the election by somebody dressed like Abe Lincoln. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we that one was the first one that like got us some real uh, real attention because, dude, we did it all. Like it was the polar opposite of 
the first two movies, whereas the first two movies were like, oh, no, we're not going to do Blood, Boobs, and Beasts. We're, we're going to make it just about the story. Um, and with President's Day, there's 19 death scenes in a high school, and uh, there's, like, multiple sex scenes. And they're motivated in the story, but, like, um, it was our first go-around with by uh, putting as much blood and uh, boobs uh, within reason as we could in the movie, and it really uh, it paid off in that... Um, a lot more people paid attention to it. We got into a lot more festivals. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was very well received. And um, and then the next year, we made a movie called Witch's Brew. Have you, have you heard of Witch's Brew? No. Dude, you're breaking my heart. That's okay. Um, <laughs> President's Day, I remember seeing a poster for. Yeah, no, it's... It's... Uh, it's, um, it's, it's basically a killer beer movie. Uh, oh, okay. it is, uh, these two microbrewers are, uh, going to deliver, uh, a bunch of cases of beer around town, um, that they just brewed and they run over a cat and they take it to its owner. And it turns out that the cat is actually a witch and the witch's coven puts a curse on the beer in their car. And, uh, so basically as they go around and deliver the beer all over town, um, anyone who drinks it, some gruesome, ironic, uh, twist happens to them some a, a gory death lots of gory death scenes same thing this one there's like 40 people on screen getting killed like we maxed it out um like in president's day we killed a high school ver- full of people in witches brew we basically kill a town full of people nice. um and uh yeah it's like it's a real party movie like if you play drinking games to it um and that was really well received too but it's funny it's kind of like one of our a lot of our movies, like, they they sort of get forgotten because, um, you know, we make them for very little money and then they sort of, uh, we don't have, like, big marketing campaigns behind them um, and they sort of, uh, you know, disappear. Um, that one is actually available on Amazon um, for rental and uh, and purchase. And uh, that was the first one that we kickstarted. We didn't have any money and, uh, once again... And we made President's Day, the high school slasher, for 5000 So we made Book of Lore for eight, Grave Mistakes for two, then uh, President's Day for five. Um, but Witch's Brew, we had, like, uh, like 60 practical effects that we needed. Um, and that was double what we had ever done before. President's Day had, like, 27. Um, and uh, so we needed a lot more money. And, like, the gore effects were insane. And... Uh, we so uh, we Kickstarter was just starting at that point, so we spent a lot of our uh, time campaigning, like educating people what Kickstarter was. If you can believe <laughs> that, like nobody nobody knew what it was. Um, and uh, no, it's yeah, legit. Man, we were, yeah, we had to like we had exactly. People were like, "Are you sure this thing isn't just going to take my money if you don't earn all the like?" We had to like really uh, convince a lot of our friends and family and just supporters. Like this thing is legit. <laughs> um, so so uh, we ended up raising. Uh, we were trying to raise ten um, to make it because we were like, uh, I mean, even ten thousand dollars is not a lot of money to make a movie. But for us, we knew we could pull it off. Um, and we had uh, connected with a local effects guy named Jason Cook, um, and we also had Kaylee Brown who uh, did the effects on our previous movie, President's Day. 
um, and another one of our friends, John Lebeck, who was an effects person. Uh, they Between those three, uh, we went through the script and got a quote from them. And uh, given, given everything that needed to be done, they told us we could get $10,000, that we could do it. So... Um, so that's what we did. We and uh we ended up raising seventeen. Which we ended up raising uh um a, like fourteen actually and then we, we had another person another couple of people throw in a thousand. So we ha- we made the movie for seventeen thousand. Um and uh if you saw it you'd be like I I wear these budgets on my sleeve, man, so does Chris. Uh like we it all goes on the screen, man. <laughs> we definitely don't get any money from it. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty fucking crazy movie, uh, and I'm really proud of it. Um, so yes, we that was movie number four with Witches Brew, and then then we made WNUF. Okay, uh, Halloween special. So yeah, I remember yeah, when we watched it. I was like, this is clearly a, a low budget movie. But then when you told us what the budget actually was, I was like, okay, wow, you you pulled some stuff off here. <laughs> well. We pulled it off because it's always the same story, man. We pulled it off because, like, we have a ton of people who help us, and everybody just, like, it becomes, like, a passion project for them, too. And um, we had, like, an awesome hair and makeup team, and they don't really get enough credit. Um, uh, and and uh, they basically did everything that's in the movie for like a thousand dollars like great. a thousand of that fifteen hundred dollars went to uh um props and costume and makeup so yeah a lot of that a lot of what uh the period appropriate stuff can be attributed to what they did um so where did the idea for wnuf come from uh well it all came from chris um it's definitely inspired uh by the uh, Morton, the Morton, uh, Morton Downey Jr. Right, uh, the episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt, which was also a comic first. Um, t- I think I believe it's called TV Terror um, or Television Terror. Um, it's a Tales from. Have you seen that? Probably. Okay, the, it's, the name doesn't it's ring a bell. One but. of the best. It's 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 definitely top five Tales from the Crypt episodes, and it's an awesome comic too. Because I I you know studied both of those before we went into it. Uh, but uh, that was the initial inspiration. But also, um, we grew up like a lot of people. Um, did you grow up in the eighties? Yeah. Okay, so you you know what I mean, like the um, public access stuff. Uh, Chris and I both grew up in a time where um, there wasn't 300 channels on TV, you know, there was like 15 max. And a couple of those were like full of a, of a team of like, uh, like people who were just like became local celebrities and they put on shows and they, and uh, public access TV was like a big thing. And, uh, it's just something that doesn't exist anymore. Not in the way that uh, where you have like a bunch of people who are like regulars on the station who, when they go around town, they might as well be like a, you know, like a Bruce Campbell of the town, you know? Um, And uh, we just, we just loved that time. And uh, that's between that, the television terror 
and the love of the public access television uh, stuff that we grew up with. Um, but those two things combined uh, was, the, was the spark. And that was all Chris. And Chris pitched it to me. And um, it, like, it's the, when we make these movies, like, you have to make a lot of compromises on set. And uh, because of the means we're working with, um, it's, it rarely ever comes out as good as it was, like, on the page. And with WNUF, um, because, like, looking shitty is part of, part of the concept, you know, yeah. um, the low budget actually worked in our favor. And I think, I think one of the reasons um, that it's so well received is because um, it's so close to what we wanted it to be. Like, it's closer than anything that we ever made, like, from idea to script to screen, it's almost like exactly what we wanted it to be. So, um, yeah. I love the, the way that you guys took the time to add details, like the tracking and just things to make it feel like you're watching a VHS tape. Well, actually, uh, pretty sure the tracking uh, was added, but like a lot of people think that we added um, the, the degraded effect in post, but that's not true. Um, it is shot on period appropriate tape stock, and then the the then it was recorded onto a VHS tape, like the whole movie, and then it was stepped down from tape to tape to tape to tape, as if it would in reality be if it was a viral video, um, until it got the look that we wanted. So there's no like post digital effects on there to make it look old. Like it is a v- VHS of the movie we made that is like on its like tenth generation. That's awesome. <laughs> That's why it feels authentic because it is, in a way, you know. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, a lot like before YouTube, like and like when you you can always tell when I hear um, a reaction about the the movie from someone, I can always tell whether they grew up in the 80s or not by their reaction to it. Because younger people, like, who grew up in the 90s and after, like, they don't remember this stuff, and they don't remember a time without YouTube, right? So, like, when there was a fucking weird movie, or, like, sorry, like, weird video, some random weird video, like, people still pass that shit around the way they they share on social media, but it was through like a like a compilation VHS that your friends right. would make, right? Like you'd be like, dude, there's like ten random videos on this, like check it out, and you'd get it from this friend or that friend. Um, and it was it, in the way, you know, like these whispered videos, like just like Faces of Schlock was playing off of, you know. Um, and so that was the idea with WNUS. The idea was that it was a tape that someone taped off of Halloween and then someone then passed it to their friend, to their friend, to their friend. And so you're like watching this tape that someone had been passing around to their friends and making copies of, like not the actual tape taped off TV. That's why like there's fast forwards and stuff. Like people, people uh, misunderstand the fast forwards. Like the fast forward is not like the person who's recording it live off TV. It's the person who's like making a copy for their friend from VCR to VCR. Like, okay. do you remember when you had to do that? Yeah. Like, 
And that's like how these fucking viral videos got like passed around. Like somebody would, I like one of the comical things about getting these VHSs from your friends with like these weird videos. Um, like I remember one of the videos that I got from one of my friends was just like random wrestling shit, like at home, crazy stuff, like people jumping off of their roofs, like onto like, you know, into swimming pools with like chairs and hitting people in the, in the pool with like metal chairs after jumping off of the roof of their house, like crazy shit. And uh, like, it was on like a shitty VHS, you know? And like one of the comical things was like, occasionally you just get these random fast forwards and it was always funny to, to, to picture your friend, like fast forwarding through some of the stuff, the content. Like, and that was always like one of the funny things about getting these videos. And a lot of times people, people say, well, that's like the fatal flaw of WNUS, but like they're, they're not, they just totally didn't get it. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Yeah. I think if we had, if we had known that people weren't going to get it, we might not have done it so much. <laughs> But yeah. Fair enough. So up next, you've got uh, what happens next will scare you. What can you tell us about that? Uh, it's basically a clickbait satire. Um, it, it, it's, it's basically like an office full of BuzzFeed employees, and uh, they are pitching their 13 scariest videos on the internet for a Halloween listicle article. And... Um, all of these videos have like fucked up shit and uh, it's an anthology flick. So each one of these videos will, will uh, serve as a segment, but there's also a wraparound that's in the office as they present the videos. And each one of the videos has like a viral video monster in it. And um, one of the early entries uh, basically unleashes all the evil spirits into the office. So it's kind of like VHS, kind of like the ring. Uh, no, neither, because there's no sharing or anything like that. I, I will say um, it's another one of those weird movies, like, that uh, it's a weird movie, man, like, in that, like, I think it's going to be polarizing. I fucking love it, um, but I think it's going to be polarizing the same way that WNUF is, because it's, it, it functions in a way, the, sa- the same way WNUF does, it functions in a way, like, most movies have never done. Um, like most movies, the anthology in an anthology flick, the the wraparound, like where they're presenting the segments, is sort of like this like fifteen to twenty minute, sometimes less, uh, little thing where spooky stuff happens. But the segments um, take up most of the movie. But with what happens next will scare you. Like there's like six main characters, and the wraparound is actually like an hour long, and the segments are only like thirty minutes long. So, <laughs> so the wraparound is like a movie in itself. Um, so it's another weird movie, man. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like VHS at all because in VHS you don't really get to know the people who are watching the tapes, um, and and in ours, like the people who are watching these uh, these YouTube clips, these faux YouTube videos that we've made, um, they are like what drives the story. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And what's uh, what's the status of that? Uh, it's in post-production. It's been really difficult, man. Um, it's another movie that we have no money, and uh, the older we get, like, the more responsibilities we have. Um, we both now, when we were making a movie a year, we we uh, we didn't have houses, and, uh, you know, we both have 
mortgages and we're both married. We both have a lot of things that are important in our lives uh, along with the movies to balance out. So uh, life gets in the way a lot more than it did. And uh, it's less about fatigue and more about just like life getting in the way. And the same thing goes for all the people who help us make the movies. Like our, our, our like ever growing team of people who help us, they also are getting older. They also have a lot of things um, that, responsibilities that they didn't have before. Um, and so we've been working on it since 2015. And um, we made this one for $5,000. And uh, it, ended up, it ended up being like a 36-day shoot. So it's like no small feat. Um, and we shot it on nights and weekends. So 36 nights and weekends over the last two years. Um, we just finished wrapping like a pickup, a few pickup shots a few days ago. And uh um, all the footage has been given to the editor, so it's being edited right now. Cool. Do you have a, yeah. any kind of estimation of a release date? Or? Uh, I, I would be shocked if we didn't release it October by, uh, by Halloween of next year. Um, the plan was Halloween this year, but um, just things got in the way. And, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would, say, I would say I would be shocked if it wasn't out Halloween, by Halloween next year. Cool. Looking forward to that. Cool, man. Thanks. So then you also, uh, you have this thing you do called script butcher where you like basically people send you their scripts and you just tell them how much it sucks, right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that is, I do. I am a, the script butcher, but I, I don't tell people their stuff sucks. <laughs> um, that's one of the things that's been surprising. So yeah, about a year and a half, I decided to, uh, um, quit my full-time job and start my own business, which is this online um, script consultation. Um, I didn't go to film school. Chris did. Um, I didn't go to film school. I uh, I uh, basically was self-taught by going to seminars all over the country for several years and also by going to script consultants. Um, basically, the script consultants were my film school. Um, they taught me the rights and wrongs of how to tell a good story uh, cinematically. And then when I started making movies with Chris, that was the sort of the second part of the learning experiences, uh, how to write things. Because we go to these festivals all over the country and we sit in these screenings and watch our movie and we watch them fail you know, and we watch like people looking at their watches and you learn from that You say, okay, like, why did someone just look at their watch when I want, like, what did we do wrong? And every movie we got better. And a lot of the reason that we got better is because everything we were writing, we were bringing to life and then we were seeing people react to it and we were learning what works and what doesn't. Um, and so between making movies and script consultants, that's how I learned. And so uh, I wanted to share that knowledge and uh, try to make a living doing it uh, at the same time. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of the people in the Baltimore film community and just like people I've connected with in general through making movies um, for the several years, I've kind of been like their go-to guy for script notes. And um, we really feel like the only thing, the only re the thing that sets our, micro-budget movies apart from these big-budget movies, the reason that they get attention when uh, the production value is so low is we spend a lot of time on the script. And uh, 
we take the screenwriting aspect of our movies very seriously. Um, you know, we spend six months developing them and, uh, I really feel like I have a lot to share and, and help others, uh, do the same process. And so, um, yeah, I've been doing it for about a year and a half and, uh, going pretty good it's the you know slowly but surely running an e-commerce business um when there are so many others is very difficult but uh i'm getting there i'm learning man (laughs) very cool yeah i mean as a fan i appreciate how much work you guys put into your story and how you can prove that a good story can make a good movie even if you don't have all these explosions and major yeah i mean honestly we know, dude, like, we know that we're not going to be able to pull off all this awesome stuff um, that, you know, like car chases and not that we would put car chases in our movie, but like, we know that the production value is going to be lower than most other movies that someone's watching. So we understand that in order for like it to still garner the attention we need it to is through a good story, you know? Um Yeah. Yeah, too many movies, especially the the big budget Hollywood movies, are just like, oh, it doesn't matter if the story sucks, we'll just make it look cool and people will go see it. <laughs> yeah, I I I think a lot of that most recently has less to do about uh, we'll just make it mediocre and more to do with uh, we're not making it for the American audience, we're making it for the China audience. So let's That's just make it so like that. Let, let's just make it so that the global audience can understand enough so that they'll tell their friends in other countries to go see it too. Um, like I think a lot of the blandness of the move of the big budget movies recently has to do with um, the fact that they are uh, marketing them for a global audience and that the domestic audience takes uh, low priority now. Um, and I've read recently some reports that that's backfiring big time and, and I, and I hope that things change, but for now I would expect that to continue. <laughs> I mean, whatever makes like them money, that's all they care about. What'd you say, man? I'm sorry. I said whatever makes them money. They don't care if it's here or there as long as, as, long as the checks keep coming in. Exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> Did you see it yet? Yeah, that's actually what we're reviewing this episode. Oh, that's awesome. I have not seen it yet. Um, uh, life is getting in the way with this, too. So uh, it's definitely, I cannot wait to see it. Um, I feel so bad, like all my friends, and I love that, that it's like this type of ho- event in the horror community that like everybody's excited about. Like no one just sends me random messages like, hey, did you see this movie? But like all my friends who love horror, they're sending me messages, did you see it yet? And I think that's really cool and really special. Um, yeah, especially since uh, it's, you know, a two hour long R-rated horror movie. Right, man. Right. Yeah. So I hope it really, I hope it does well. Um, and I hope it garners some other, I hope it inspires uh, some studios to make more big budget horror. Cause we really don't get big budget horror anymore. Um, and, for, and as much as I love micro budget stuff, like, uh, like what we do and like J.R. Bookwalter stuff and like Eric Stanzi and stuff like that. Um, when Hollywood does it right, man, for me, they do it better than anybody. Um, sure, and, uh, yeah, so, like, I I want Hollywood to kick ass with horror, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not rooting against them. Um, they just need to take more risks. Oh, dude, I this is, yeah, hot, but, hot ticket item for, hot button <laughs> item for me. <laughs> yeah, they just want to play it safe and go to the lowest common denominator and what's going to get the most butts and seats, and that's PG-13 yeah. safe horror. And right. Us diehards, yeah, that's not what we want to see. 
Yeah, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you 100%. If I start talking about this, I'm just going to go on a big rant, so I'm not. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're ready to start wrapping things up here. So uh, yeah, man. you want to go ahead and plug your, if you got a website or Twitter or whatever, oh, yeah, whatever people sure. can find you? Um, we don't. We don't, we don't have, like, we actually don't have, like, a dedicated website for our production company or a place to buy uh, the, the the movies, but you can find, WNUS is on Shutter and it's on Amazon, and it's pretty much everywhere. You can find it anywhere. And Call Girl of Cthulhu, you can pretty much find it anywhere. Um, Witches Brew, you can find on Amazon. Uh, President's Day, you can find on Amazon. Um, and uh, the rest of them are harder to find. Uh, as far as my website for a uh, screenwriting consultation, if anybody out there is listening and they have a script and uh, they want to get a second eyes on a pair of second eyes on it and, and get some exhaustive feedback on, on how to improve it and make it better, um, you can find me at, at scriptbutcher.com, just like it sounds uh, spelled. And um, uh, my my fee is 200 for a feature and that for a feature length script and that comes with um eight to twenty pages of notes and you also get um uh, a scanned copy um of your script with all my notes on the page on it as well. And uh for short it's uh fifty dollars. So and that's probably between five to eight pages of notes as well as you get a scanned copy. So yeah. Cool. Yeah man, and, thanks for giving uh, me the opportunity to speak. I, I hope you have like an awesome Halloween season. This is like for 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 like a horror podcast, this has to be like a really fun time for you guys. Fun and very busy. <laughs> very busy. <laughs> but busy is good, man. I always say that. Um, yeah, we uh we try to do short films every year, so we're we're gonna start working on that pretty soon. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. I I'll definitely check those out. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on. All right, Taylor. Thank you much. Thank you so much. Have All a right. good Halloween, man. You too. Happy Halloween. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. It's right off the highway. Wobbledy wobbledy drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percent of the time way. That was a- that was a thing that Taylor did. You're welcome. Tony just bailed on me. He was like, I'm not, I don't want to talk to this guy. No, don't do that. <laughs> That's not what I said. Oh, I had to go to my wife's. My wife. My wife. My wife's uncle's retirement party on the other side of the state. Did so. they give him a watch? No. They don't do that anymore? He's not actually retired. Like, he, he. They just threw him a party for no reason? <laughs> I mean, he had a had a job. He worked. Uh, I mean, he had a job for however many decades. I don't even know how long. Um, but then he and his wife opened up a motorcycle shop, oh, that's and cool. they've had that for five years, six maybe. Um, and they finally got to a point where he can quit his quit his other job. So he retired from that job, but he he still works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. But he's working for himself now. Not working for the man. Congratulations. Every night, every night and day. Congratulations, Uncle Skippy. Yeah, let's, let's go Skippy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, moving on to our, our film reviews. Yep. <laughs> I forgot you got to do the beep, beep, beep thing.
So our film reviews, two movies just released. Uh, I mean, one just came out a couple of days ago, and the other one a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So brand new, brand new stuff. We haven't reviewed new movies in a long time. It's been been a while. We've been trying to do these dumb theme things and dumb th- <laughs> dumb theme shows with you know really good ratings or and downloads. I mean. We also there also yeah. haven't been any good movies coming out lately. That's true. Now they're all coming out in like the next two months. Yeah, right. When yeah, I mean, I like doing Octoberama, but like all the horror movies come out in October, and it really fucks us up. I know. Anyway, okay. So um, two movies, Taylor. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Death Note. All the people that make life miserable. <laughs> Make life dangerous. What if we can change things? The human whose name is written in snow shall die. Shall we begin? You're a death god. Yes. What exactly can I do with this death note? Put your name down and see what happens. It's not going to solve a few crimes. It's going to solve all crime. Do you think that I'm crazy? I think you're not crazy enough. We could change the world. The killer has taken credit for over 400 deaths. Although we do not know how he kills his victims, we do know he's not some omnipotent force. He's a person, like you or me. You're the one who flew into the sun. I'm just here to make sure you burn. We're not the good guys anymore. Oh, do you know what you're doing? You will not survive. What they want is a god. So let's give it to them. Is that your Ryu compression? <laughs> that's, that's my uh, your uh, Willem Dafoe. My Willem Dafoe voice. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <coughs> All right, Death Note, adaptation of an anime of the same name. Yeah, originally a manga, though I think. I don't know the difference. Comic book, and then it was an anime. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. I did not know that. I learned something today. Did you know that? I did not know that. T-I-L. Um, I don't know who this was written by. Some guy. Some fucking guy. <laughs> but it was directed by Adam Wingard. <laughs> Taylor's boyfriend. Did you just stand in your living room with your pants? <laughs> you are so weird. <laughs> 
don't know uh, what the fuck is wrong with you. Ah, uh, people eat this shit up. <laughs> people eat shit. <laughs> eat shit for breakfast. <laughs> um, written by Charlie Parla Parlapanitas and Vlas Parlapanitas and others. Thank you, IMDb. <laughs> and others. <laughs> and the rest. Um, this is the story of Light Turner, a white kid from Seattle. People people were not thrilled. No, they were not. Although the guy who created Death Note was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Give me money. Um, but Light just um he just finds this book. It just falls out of the sky in the first two minutes of the movie. That was so dumb. <laughs> like he didn't like you know, accidentally uncover it in a pile of sticks or something. It just falls out of the fucking sky. Yeah, in literally the first two minutes of the movie. Yeah, so stupid. And also, this was not Seattle. Oh, no. It's it's definitely Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, they used, like, Seattle stock footage. But later on, like, they're at the, the Ferris wheel, and it is not what that area looks like. And he keeps calling it the Northwest Ferris wheel. And I'm like, that's not what it's called. Yeah. It's called the Great Wheel. Yeah. Uh, Do your fucking research. Also, I went to school in the Seattle area, greater greater Seattle area. Um, and like the main character, main female lead in this, uh, Mia, Mia, like her, her her first second on the screen is fucking. She's smoking a cigarette during cheerleading practice on school campus. If that would have happened at my school. Oh my god, they would have fucking railroaded that kid. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's no real secrets in this movie. Like straight from the outset, you know who these characters are. Light's a little bit of a nerd. He's doing homework for other people and they're paying him off. And she like the first time you see her is she's in the middle of these three cheerleaders getting, you know, hoisted up. And the ones on the side are like all big cheerleader smiles and she's like, Meh. <laughs> I hate everything. I hate being a cheerleader that I volunteered for. <laughs> <clears throat> and so, yeah, Mia is uh, Mia and, and Light. They they got a little thing going. They got a thing going on. I, I haven't heard that song in a long time. I don't remember how it goes. Something like that. It's the same words. It's, and- it's probably <laughs> some of them. <laughs> I'm trying to sit, play play the song in my head, but yeah, uh, no, whatever. Light gets in a fight, and light, he, light, light gets fight. It rhymed. It rhymed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. <laughs> he gets his ass kicked, and gets busted for for cheating, and so he gets detention. And while he's in detention, his teacher just leaves, or the detention. Yeah, it's just person. she's like, I gotta go somewhere. Yeah, she's like, don't leave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the whole explanation. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely gonna leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so while while Light is in there by himself, he starts looking through the Death Note, and all of a sudden, this giant spiked demon person. <laughs> it's basically uh, an anthropomorphic uh, sea urchin. Yeah, basically, <laughs> with like a giant smile that goes like on either side of his head, mm-hmm. um, voiced by Willem Dafoe. 
he appears and he starts explaining to him that anyone whose name you write down in this book, they die. Then he basically says, just, you know, hey, try it out. And Light's like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I think at that point I'd be like, um, no. It's like, ah, uh, that's a lot of pressure yeah like i you know it's it's the bully that he does it to yeah so it's you know you're supposed to be like okay it's come up and but at the same time it's like you you killed a guy <laughs> he's, he's dead now yeah because of you <laughs> that's that's you that's all on you and it's like he's not having like an open casket ceremony either because he done knocked his head off yeah you fucked him up <laughs> you feel good about yourself yeah like if if that were me and it's like, oh, well, this book, you write somebody's name in it, and you can specify exactly how they die. Plus, you can control them for up to 48 hours. Yeah, you can, like, basically lead them up to their death. Um, and, like, right off the bat, he says, so-and-so gets decapitated. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. And you go straight to that? It's like, I would have said, like, gets, has a heart attack or gets shot or something. Like, <laughs> dies peacefully in his sleep. Yeah. It's like fucking decapitation, Jesus. Um, but so yeah, L, or, uh, Light does feel pretty good about himself, and he just decides he's going to start playing God mm-hmm. and just start wiping out all the evil people of the planet. And uh, he develops this following under the name Kira, which apparently is both Russian and Gaelic for light, but is Japanese for killer. He's thinking. He's a thinker. <laughs> And uh, so <laughs> when he was explaining that to Mia, she's like, eh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll bite. Yeah. So Mia, um, he, he tells Mia all about it and they start just becoming this duo of do-gooders <laughs> killing off all the, you know, Kim Jong-ils and whatnots yeah. of the world's. Yeah, it's basically like a montage of them just signing people up for their deaths. Yeah, and people start like basically praying to them, and like they start this website. It's like this this guy, you know, this guy diddled a kid on the set of Clown Town or whatever the fuck that movie was that Victor <laughs> Salva diddled that kid on. <clears throat> Don't diddle kids. Um, and at one point, there's like a uh, right wing talk show host, radio host. He's basically, he's kind of a uh, Alex Jones type. I don't think I remember that part. No, it was like a voiceover. One of the things that started out off with is that um, uh, Light, his father, or his relationship with his father is, is not good at all. Like It's very broken. His dad's a detective with the Seattle PD. Um, and however many years prior... Light's mother was killed. They they tried the guy that killed her in court, and he got off with it, or he got away with it, like lawyers or or whatever. Um, Some he, kind of loophole. Yeah. Or... So Light, once he discovers that he can basically kill anyone, puts this guy's name in in the book and um, kills him, and that like that like instantly improves his relationship with his father. Like they become tighter like there's like like a weight is lifted which is weird for them to get like a like have a weight lifted by the death of somebody else. yeah but you know as far as 
his dad knows neither one of them was responsible for. Right. Anyway. So I just wanted to mention <clears throat> that part. <clears throat> yeah. And so his dad becomes, he gets put in charge of this Kira case because Kira is at the same time, the most wanted man in America and a God mm-hmm. who people are praying to, which I found really odd. Is it, didn't it? Sh- I mean, it struck me as weird that people were not reacting the way I would <laughs> when I found out that some omnipotent force is making people kill themselves or, you know, causing the death of other people and nobody knows who or what it is. And I just feel like the people weren't reacting appropriately. How would you react? I'd be like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) There is seriously some force killing people. They seem to just kind of accept it very quickly. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like, they, they just basically treat it like it's another you know, serial serial killer on the loose. Oh, we got you know, we gotta follow the leads. We gotta we gotta catch this guy. It's like he's fucking making people kill themselves and you don't know how. Yeah. Is nobody else realizing this? Like I said, there's there's you know, one sect of people who are treating them like a god, and the other sect of them who's treating them like a serial killer. Yeah. And it's like they can't be both things. And then there's this other guy who just goes by the name L. Just the letter L. I hated him. What? I really hated his character. He was my favorite part. Oh, man. I couldn't stand that guy. Uh, played by um, Lakeith Stanfield, who you might recognize from Get Out. Okay. I knew I recognized him. I wasn't sure why. And he's this kind of like ninja guy who just, I don't know, he's a vigilante, I guess. He, he just kind of shows up and is like, Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. (laughs) He just goes like Somali pirate on Light's dad. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah, okay. You you know what you're doing. You go for it, man. He he has his reputation. Like people know who he is. That's true. Um, I mean, people, I mean, I, I think a select few people have actually seen him in person, but people know who he is. They know who L is. Uh, he's more of a, like a legend than a man. But, um, yeah, he's just this, he's just this uh, kind of under-the-radar, outside-the-law investigator. He kind of reminded me of Phoenix Jones. <laughs> A little bit. But I just I didn't really like, I really did not like his, um, his persona. It just bugged me. Because I went to high school with people like that, and they were just, I don't know, weird. Weird kids. <laughs> I, I don't know. know. I liked him. Yeah. I mean, like, like he never sat in a chair. Like, he'd always just, like, just show up crouch. in a room and, like, hop up onto a chair and, like, crouch on the chair rather than just sit in it. It's like, sit the fuck down, <laughs> creep. <laughs> Be a human. Yeah. There was just shit like that that bugged the hell out of me. And I couldn't get past it. And he also ate a shit ton of candy. He did. Like, He's just like, like always eating candy. Yeah. There's something about his upbringing that I think would probably be kind of a spoiler to talk about. So Something that wasn't in the movie or was? Was. I mean, it's it's really never fully realized and more alluded oh, okay. to. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I should leave that part out. Yeah. And so there's this ongoing investigation, both from the police department and 
separately but at the same time from L, who's kind of doing his own investigation but is also helping the Seattle PD. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, they're trying to track down this this Kira, who it turns out is light. Yeah. So what'd you think? I didn't like it. It's not a horror movie. No, it's definitely not. Um, there are horror type scenes. The death scenes are, you know, they're gory. They're very like Final Destination esque. Mm-hmm. In kind of in the way where like you you think you see what's coming and then it turns out to be something else. The scene just kind of keeps going and circles back around. Yeah. But other than that, it's very much like a crime movie. It definitely was. crime thriller. It felt like I was watching like Law and Order or something. Yeah, and I wish I had known that. I always like I see genre sites cover these movies and then I watch them and I'm like, this is not a horror. Yeah. Why did you cover this in the first place? It probably it was a horror director. <clears throat> That's has true. Some horror themes to it, like Ryuk. Yeah, like I was I was describing it to my girlfriend. She's like, it sounds like a horror movie, <laughs> but it, yeah, it definitely does not play like one. No. Um, yeah, you've got Ryuk, this this demon. He's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's a fucking demon. He describes himself as a as a as a death god. Yeah, yeah, and he eats a lot of apples. He does eat a lot of apples, like only apples. Yeah. What was the deal with the apples? I don't know. Maybe that was a thing in the in the comic or the other. Well, that's something we probably iteration. I, mean, I don't know about you, but we probably should have prefaced this. I have not seen the anime at all. No, neither have I, and I know very little about this. Okay, um, and so that was kind of my frame of mind going into it. It's like, okay, well, I can go in this virginal. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I know very little about Death Note. Haven't seen any of previous iterations of it. And I just I, I see a lot of like diehard fans of Death Note that do not like this. See what I what I've noticed is the, yeah the the diehard fans the people who really enjoyed the anime did not like this for whatever reason either because it's they weren't going to like it regardless mm-hmm. just because it's an annotation if it's the whitewashing thing whatever it is yeah they didn't like it. Um, the people who had were like virginal as you put it <laughs> um, were kind of middle of the road i didn't see a lot of reviews raving about it i honestly i, I haven't seen any good reviews really yeah i mean i've, I've seen kind looked, of middle of the road reviews i haven't really looked hard for them but like anything i just happened across just said oh death note sucks yeah i, I haven't seen a lot of great reviews um i've seen some good reviews uh to me in my opinion the first not even the first act but the first 20 minutes maybe both the story and brace yourself the direction were like fast frantic the direction was very arty there was a lot of like dutch angles and zooms and there's a lot of um like i kept thinking it was edgar wright directing it yeah like quick cuts yeah yeah but and then like but then after that it kind of settles into itself and so it's like, yeah. why is there all of a sudden this drastic change in how this movie is presented? Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's like, I like Adam Wingard and I want other people to like him too, but he just keeps putting out shit. <laughs> <laughs> like he keeps making movies that people don't like and it makes me really sad. Because, I mean, I'm not as in love with his movies as you are, but I enjoy them. I like his work from what I've seen prior to this. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I like, I liked Blair, Witch. 
not as much as you did, but I but I did like it. Um, and uh, what are we missing? What was before that? You're next and the guest, right? Uh, I enjoyed both of those movies, um, but I just I didn't care for this one. And like, just people shit talk Adam Wingard so much, and it's like, I know he's got it, guys, give him a chance. But each time he does something like this, it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe you're right. <laughs> I mean, you know, yes, I really enjoyed your next. I really enjoyed Blair Witch. I really enjoyed uh, the guest. Like, didn't didn't Ty West direct your next? No, Ty West was in your next. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Never mind. Um, I didn't care for this. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I was in, interested while I was watching it, but um, it didn't hook me. I wasn't like enthralled mm-hmm. by it. Um, and yeah, it just kind of trudged along. Yeah. It it moved, but it it didn't. I wasn't like, oh my god, I have to see what happens next. Yeah, and I have some issues with the ending. I, I don't. The ending was stupid. Like I I want to talk about it, but should we throw a spoiler alert so we can talk about it? Because it seems like we both have opinions on it. I mean, if you want, I mean, it's on Netflix. I feel like there should be a little bit of lenience with Netflix. <laughs> I guess. All right, we're throwing it out there. Spoiler alerts from here. If if you haven't seen it yet, um. Fast forward. I don't Fuck know. you. <laughs> Get Netflix. Like everybody has Netflix. Just call your mom, ask her for her password, and just fucking watch it. That's what Taylor does. <clears throat> no, I get on my girlfriend's account. Um, that's right. That's oh, right. It's, it's my mother in law's account that I use. <laughs> okay, so my my big problem with the ending is he writes stuff in the book about, uh, you know, Mia takes the book from her boyfriend. And then she dies and the book floats into a burning barrel or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I know you can control people, but now you can control the laws of physics with this book. Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. And earlier in the movie, there's an explicit rule that only the owner of the book can use it. Mm-hmm. But then Mia just uses it. Yeah. She just tears a page out and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, this, this page is yeah, mine yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's, not, not explained. there are so many rules in the book. There, like I probably like the first ten pages of the book are just rules. Yeah, there was at least ninety five. Yeah, and like I felt like very little attention was paid to them unless it was part of the story. Yeah, like every once in a while he would do something, and Ryuk would be like, "Just so you know, there's a rule." Yeah, and um, I don't like Nat Wolf, dude. Did he remind you of all at all of Max Landis? A little bit. Like, he looked exactly like him. <laughs> I just I don't. I don't, I mean, maybe it was just the character, but he bugged me. Like, seeing his face just bugged me. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I didn't think he was very good, per se. Yeah. Was, there's a lot to be left, or a lot left to be desired. Um, I mean, I thought <clears throat> Willem Dafoe did well voicing Ryuk, and I he was the motion capture for the face, too. Um I can't, I honestly, typically I, w- I would say, oh, a movie would do better had they given more screen time to the monster. I don't know that that would have saved this one. Honestly, like Ryuk isn't entirely necessary. No, no, he's really not. Like the book could operate on its own. Yeah, it could just be this like entity. Because I, I went into this thinking that Ryuk uh, was the one that actually killed people. Like physically went out and killed him, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't. 
Like, he's just kind of there antagonizing light. And, you know, maybe that goes back... Well, it probably does. It probably goes back to the original comic book or or anime, whichever one it was. I don't know. Um, But it probably goes back to the original source. But that's that's dumb. Like, if they're going to include him, he should be the one actually killing people. Otherwise, what's even the point? Yeah. Like he's 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 there as an antagonist, but why make him look like a like a monster? Yeah, I don't know. This was this was bad, and I don't I don't know that it was necessarily Adam Wingard's fault. I mean, he probably did what he could with it, but I don't know. The story was was poor. The acting was poor. Um, like I said, like this, like I said, the story at the beginning moved along so quickly, and then it just. I don't want to say it slowed down, but it, it settled into itself. And it was like, why did that need to be so frantic at the beginning? Yeah. Why did we have to jump right into him getting the book in the first two minutes? Like, like is that really how it happens? Mm-hmm. Can we not get some kind of like, you know, we've talked a thousand times about how too much backstory can ruin it, but really fault. The book just falls out of the sky. Yeah. That's all we get. Yeah. And like even Ryuk, he doesn't provide any real explanation. He's like, Oh, well I just, the, the previous owner, either gave it up or died and didn't really specify, but that's how the book transfers. Um, he like the, the way the book transfers is he, you can give it back to Ryuk and he'll pick the next owner. Um, you can transfer for it to someone yourself or you die. Those are the ways that you get rid of the book. Um, and he doesn't specify which happened, but yeah, like it falls out of the sky, like almost into his lap. And then Ryuk just says, "Oh well, the previous owner gave up the book, so I picked the picked the next next owner." I'm like, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It would have been better had he found it somewhere, like fallen into a cave or something. Something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if he just like, even if the book was on the ground, <laughs> that would have made more sense. Yeah. Then it's just just this book just falls out of the sky. Yeah. And also another thing that bugged me, um, was that the beginning, like the, the opening segment, like when they're all sitting out in the rain, it's like, first of all, it is, it took place in Seattle and yes, it rains here most of the year. Um, but they, like everybody was outside just in the rain. No, <laughs> we don't do that here. It's like, yeah, if it starts raining, it's like, oh God, fuck, it's raining again. Let's let's get inside. We don't go. We don't just sit out there in the fucking rain. <laughs> I mean, all the football players started running inside, which I thought was funny because football players would practice in the rain. Yeah, that that was actually another thing. Yeah, because I have personal experience of practicing football in down uh, like downpour rain. So, um, anyway, and it, sorry, my point was, is that the opening five minutes or so, like right before light gets the book, it looks like a fucking Nirvana video. Yeah, it like, really does. Just dumb. Some of the music choices were odd in this too. Yeah. And he couldn't kill L because he didn't know his name, but he kills Watari and he, he only knows him as Watari. 
I don't believe that is his full name. Plot holes, man. Yeah. And th- but they're already talking about making a two and even a three. Really? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, this is a uh, this is a miss for me. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> Turns out he is fallible. <laughs> he is fallible. <laughs> That's not a word. It is for you. I mean, I already knew he was fallible because he made the eye segment in the VHS. Mm, that was the that was like the best one in the movie. That's not saying much. No, it's really that. Yeah, he was he was the guy. He was the guy. He was the eye guy. <laughs> he was the guy. The guy with the, with the eye. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. I don't know. There's the the death scenes are cool. They're enjoy those are the most enjoyable part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was kind of on a on a good roll when like the first kid who gets uh, decapitated. Yeah, I, I thought there was gonna be more of that. Yeah, and then there was like one maybe, very little gore, which you know, which was like kind of like the last saving grace of a horror movie. And what was even worse was they said like they they show you that kid getting decapitated at the beginning and they set you up to so like oh yeah this is there's gonna there's gonna be some gore get ready for this yeah and there's, there's not. Yeah, like there's there's one other part where a dude's head explodes, and that's pretty much it for gore. Yeah. Overall, pretty disappointing. Um, yeah. Like I said, more really more of a crime thriller than a horror. Um, what do you think for a number? Um, three. So I'm, I'm leaning towards four, so I guess I'll just I'll say that. Okay. I think there's there's some redeeming qualities, but they're few and far between, and just not sufficient. Yeah, I mean, I I tried really hard to get into this, and it just wasn't happening. Like I said, I was I was interested when I was watching, but it was it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, watching a sports game or something that that you have no rooting interest in. Yeah, it's like you watch it, but at the end you just don't care. Yeah. And it, it's like, <clears throat> so I was watching this, and my wife comes home from work while I'm watching it. And, you know, of course, she wants to tell me all about her day. And typically, when that happens, it's just like, can you stop until this is over? <laughs> I mean, I, I'll hear all about your day. Just please wait till the movie's over. This time, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, tell me. <laughs> tell me about your day. <laughs> and then when that does happen, like when she, when I'm distracted long enough to where I completely lost my place in the movie, I'll say to myself, okay, I got to go back and watch it again. This one, it's just like, you probably didn't miss anything. Yeah. I'm I'm good. I don't want to watch it again. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, swing and a miss. (laughs) Yeah. Well, moving on, we got our next movie just came out. Uh, what, four days ago as of this recording yep uh it's 2017's what am i doing i lost my place it it's it's it when you're a kid you think the universe revolves around you you think that you'll always be protected and cared for 
then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. thinks this town is cursed. That all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing. An evil thing. Bill, if you'll come with me, you'll float too. saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. What happens when another Georgie goes missing? Or one of us? Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we'll win. Okay, so it. Now I feel like we're gonna have an interesting uh, dilemma with spoilers here because uh, it's both a remake and a book adaptation, both of which are old enough to fall into our spoiler category. I guess I really thought about it. So what I'm thinking is anything that's in this that wasn't in the, we'll just go go off the miniseries. We'll try not to spoil. But if it was in the miniseries, I say it's fair game. Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, don't like actively. I mean, I want. I really want to talk about the ending. Uh, and I mean, this this maybe a little bit of a spoiler, but the ending is not like the book. Yeah, we'll get into this. Okay, so wait before. Okay, well. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Joe Pesci over here. Do, <laughs> do like the story, but don't go into your thoughts yet. Okay. Okay. So, it directed by Andres Muschietti, um, who, like I said, he's Argentinian. I thought he, I thought he was Italian. <laughs> the last name made me think he was Italian. Um, but yeah, it's a two thousand. Well, two thousand. It just came out. What am I doing? You're talking in fucking circles. I know. Uh, so th- this is written by uh, Chase Palmer, Kerry Fukunaga, and Gary Doberman. And I was very surprised that they kept Fukunaga's work. Yeah, me too. Um, I was I like I I didn't know that going into this, and when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, "Wow, really?" 
Yeah, Fukunaga and Palmer wrote the original screenplay, and then Doberman came in and basically just took a hatchet to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Doberman is best known for writing Annabelle and Annabelle Creation and 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. Not the guy I would have brought in to work the script over. No. Okay, so, I mean, we, we've... We did the miniseries before, so you, you mean you know the basic premise. The only difference is that this is strictly when the Losers Club are children. There's no involvement of their adult selves. Uh, the book and the miniseries both alternate. They go back and I mean they they do present and then they do flashbacks of, the, of their their childhood days, and that's you know how like I said the book even the book itself goes that way. But this is strictly. Just the year of 1991? 88. Oh, right. Um, Yeah, Losers Club, they are, you know, 12, 13 years old, that age bracket. Um, I mean, I don't know how deeply to go into the story because I feel like people know it already. Um, As opposed to being in 1957... Like I said, it's 1988. Um, Bill Denbro, uh, he's making a paper boat for his little brother, Georgie. Um, it's established pretty early on that Georgie is kind of a scared little kid. Um, so, I mean, like, Bill sends him down in the, into the basement to get some wax for this boat so it doesn't get, get wet. Um and just like right off the bat, you can tell he's very afraid of the darkness and anything. Darkness. Right. Of anything ominous. Um, and uh, so he send, eventually sends him outside, and he's just floating this little paper boat down the gutter, um, or down the, the side, or not sidewalk, but the rain gutter, and it falls down into it's, the it's, sewer. It's pouring down rain. Yeah. It's like, it's like, the worst kind of rain that would happen in Seattle. Like, why would you ever let your child alone out in the rain? Yeah, that was my first thought too. Like when Georgie went outside, I was like, no one's going to watch him, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what, six? Yeah. So we know the story from the original, from the book. How much did you laugh when he whacked his head though? Oh, I said, stupid asshole. Dude, I was the only one in the theater that laughed. I laughed at some inappropriate times. I thought everyone was going to laugh and I was just like, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh, there was a part when Henry Bowers and his gang were beating up on Ben before they started, you know, cutting into him and they're giving him like a pink belly. <laughs> a big fat belly. <laughs> you asshole. I laughed. <laughs> I was like, ha <laughs> Oh, but you didn't laugh like that? I did. <laughs> and then I stifled myself. I was like, oh. That's, that's your dad right there. Pretty much. My dad didn't laugh. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, yeah, so the, 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 the boat goes into the gutter, or into the down in the sewer. And he's like freaking out. He's like, oh, Bill's going to kill me. It's like, probably not. Just a paper boat. <laughs> he could make you a new one. <laughs> Go back, he'll make one in like five minutes. Um, but he's he's like down in the gutter, like looking for it, so you can see where it went. And up pops a clown, 
The clown. The dancing clown. It. Um, Pennywise. Pennywise. He uh, pops up and he says, hey, Georgie, do you want this boat? And... I, I, I'll, okay, okay, I'll get into it later. Um, he, uh, you know, he's he's basically trying to entice Georgie down into the sewer with him, and eventually bites off his arm. And Georgie's trying to crawl away, which was so grim, like, dude. I was so glad they showed that. That's like the the first scene in the movie, and I was like, oh, it's like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he bit a. Six-year-old child's arm off, and the and the child showed it is bleeding out, trying to crawl away, like trying to like army crawl away, and his blood is just, like running into the water, and he's just screaming, and then the clown pulls him back in, uh, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I love this movie already. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, um, flash forward, uh, what about a year? I think less than a year because it, it went from, was it September? I think it was September 88 to June 89. Wikipedia no, says October, October. October 88 to, to June 89. Right. So eight months. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the, the losers, um, we show Bill, um, Eddie, Richie, and that's it. Um, Stan? Oh yeah, Stan kind of pops up eventually. I thought Eddie was Stan at first because mm. he count came up talking about um, bar mitzvahs. Yeah, um, but they were talking about Stan's bar mitzvah, right? They thought it was, he was going to get uh, get his wiener chopped off. Yeah, it's funny how com- you know how commonplace circumcision is now, but like there was a time where people just did not understand what happened. Yeah, <laughs> um, and they thought that it happened at a bar mitzvah, right? <laughs> So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna wait till the kid's fifteen to cut his dick skin. Yeah, it's like I heard they're gonna cut off the end of your dick. <laughs> Don't say dick skin. <laughs> anyway, um, so I mean, we're introduced to the kids, um, kind of get a feel for who they are as people. Um, Richie's the little asshole. Oh, dude, but he was so good, <laughs> man. He's played by Finn Wolfhard from um, from Stranger Things, uh, and. Reserving my opinion till the end is it going to work? Um, you know, this is a, a child ensemble cast, and I think because of the su- success of Stranger Things and how awesome those kids were, I feel like I went into this kind of maybe expecting that same magic. It just wasn't as strong. Yeah, but I think because Finn Wolfhard was part of that, like he was the standout. That's not to say the kids weren't good. No, no, but just no. yeah, the ensemble aspect of it was not quite as strong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these the kids in Stranger Things, they gave off this energy that seemed like they'd been doing it for years. Yeah. They, they had this energy that they were already friends. Yeah. Like, they, they, the way they interacted, they all seemed like they, they knew each other and they were already this tight-knit group. Mm-hmm. This it, it feels a little more like it's a movie. Yeah. Um, these kids are notably younger than the ones in the miniseries. Yeah. I mean, only by, you know... A th- I'd say maybe three years, but they're in high school. Except for Seth Green. He was 38 at the time. (laughs) He's timeless. He never ages. Um, I said, don't worry. I'm timeless. um, So we're kind of, I mean, we're introduced. 
later to Ben, who's like the new kid in town, um, kind of find out he's bounced around a lot. And every time another part, like a crucial part of the story is that everywhere he goes to live, since he doesn't tend to make a lot of friends, he just spends his time learning about the place he lives now. Um, which like I said, becomes important when they're talking about the history of dairy. Um, and then we also meet, uh, Beverly, who's definitely more of a, of a, uh, badass isn't the right word. It's kind of, um, antisocial than like more antisocial than she was in the book and in the miniseries. Um, and there were there were some diff, definitely different takes on the characters here. Um, they didn't quite fit either the book characters or the ones from the miniseries, um, which I think was okay for the most part. Yeah, I mean you haven't read the book, no. So yeah, you're you're a little in the weeds, I guess. Um, but uh, anyway, so where did it go from here? Um, I mean, they're, so the, they're being chased by this bully. Yeah, this Hen- group of bullies. Yeah, Henry Bowers and his <clears throat> his gang of assholes. Um, they're they they they're making their lives hell, and I mean, it starts off with like the last day of school. They're very like stereotypical Stephen King bullies. Oh, definitely. And Where they want to like literally kill you just because you're weird mm-hmm. or fat or <laughs> a girl. Yeah, and like in the book. Henry and his gang, um, they're just, uh, just like punks. I mean, it take, you know, it takes place, like I said, in, in 57. So when the, uh, the, the child part of the story takes place. Um, and Henry and his cronies, they're just like, just punks, like greasy punks. Um, in the miniseries, they're like like greasers, you know, leather jackets, slick back hair, that type of thing. Yeah, West Side Story type shit. Um, and this, they're trailer trash. Except Belch wears a fucking anthrax shirt. And yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then... So wait, wait, I'm not supposed to like him, right? Because <laughs> he's got a badass anthrax shirt on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was a um, I Am The Law anthrax shirt, which was awesome. A- anthrax actually did a shout out to it. On their Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Because also later on during the Rock War, um, they are playing antisocial. Mm. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's just this back and forth thing. And Henry's got a sweet mullet. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they really own the trailer trash things. Mullet, cut off sleeves. Cut off shorts. Cut, yeah. And wearing like, looks like, was he wearing like a... Like tube sock tops on his wrist or something. Anyway, um, yeah, Henry's father is the sheriff. He's abusive, so I mean, naturally, he's got a fucked up childhood, and you know, takes it out on other kids. Um, so pretty, pretty much all the parents are abusive. Like all the parents in Derry are just shitty people. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Beverly's dad is, he's, he's, he's never really identified as a drunk, but he acts like one. Yeah. He's also like not, they don't explicitly say that he's sexually abusive, but it's kind of implied. Yeah. Very heavily. Um, and you know, Eddie's mom is, um, she, she's Munchausen by proxy. 
um, and uh, just very controlling. Makes Eddie believe that he has um, disabilities that he doesn't actually have. <laughs> They're gazebos. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just don't really know how how much to go into the story because I feel like people know it already. Um, so, I mean, they they each start. Oh, and, and then there's Mike, um, who's uh, the black kid. Uh, so he's naturally kind of a standout. Um, even though this takes place in the eighties, you know, there's still just that the racial thing that, that it's existed since the beginning of time, basically. Yeah. Um, and he he's home he's homeschooled, so none of the kids actually know him. They just know him as the homeschool kid. But they all kind of bond over being tortured by Henry. Yeah, and also they also start getting these weird visions of, um, of, of, of creatures or just creepy things. And also a clown, which just so happens to be the same clown that ripped Georgie's arm off. Um, so they slowly start to figure out that they're all seeing the same the images and having dreams, um, and fantasies about the same, clown um and they come to realize maybe a little too quickly (laughs) that this clown is taking the form of different things that scare them to try and weaken them as you know make them fear uh more (laughs) yeah in the book um he describes their fear as salting the meat yeah Anyway, um, so I mean, they they basically try to bond and create um, uh, a uprising against the clown, um, and just because the, there's this growing epidemic of missing children in Derry, um, and yeah, they they just kind of start to fight back. Yep, I mean, and that that's essentially the movie. I mean, without giving away the finer details. Yeah. Um, so uh, what did you think? Well, before we get into our thoughts, uh, our buddy Wisdom left us a voicemail with his thoughts. Oh, really? Yeah, so cool. I thought we could listen to that. All right. What's up, fellas? Um, so I am very excited to talk about my feelings on the movie It, Stephen King's It. Um, obviously, the remake of the TV miniseries from, God, I can't remember, what was it, like 89, 90, something around then. And uh, first off, I think that the hype for this movie was uh, exciting. I thought they did a really good job with their trailers. Um, I think because the large majority of people probably had not seen the TV miniseries, I mean, save for horror fans, of course, and probably even the larger had not read the book. So I think for a lot of people, this is new. Um, I'm sure people have heard of it, of course, but had never actually seen or read. So so that was exciting. I think that the general public um, got pretty excited for this movie. And, you know, of course, myself and a bunch of buddies got tickets for uh, opening night and went and saw it. And I will say right off the bat that I felt that, they did an excellent job with keeping it true to the plot of the book. Um, I was not expecting it to be gory, to be totally honest with you. 
I know it was rated R, but I thought it would be rated R just because of the fact that it's just this, you know, horrific terror that, you know, is going to freak out kids and they don't want a bunch of 13, 14 year olds going in there and uh, watching something like this. But that being said, um, I think right from the jump with the opening scene, which is like the classic opening scene from it, I definitely was not expecting, uh, and spoiler alert if you're listening, close your ears here. I was definitely not expecting uh, the clown Pennywise to bite off Georgie's arm. <laughs> and it, I, I had completely forgotten that that's what happens uh, in the book, and that's pretty horrific. Uh, very rarely, you know, do you see movies, especially modern-day movies, um, where stuff happens to kids and they actually show it. Uh, it's usually just kind of, you know, happens off screen. And um, so that was pretty gruesome and awesome. <laughs> I thought that was a great way to start the film and set the tone. So I thought the cast was fantastic, um, you know, kind of similar to Stranger Things. Shout out to Finn Wolfhard. Um, it had so many similarities in that, you know, obviously the 1950s um, was the first version of it where, you know, it took place when all of the uh, main cast were kids. And I loved that they transitioned this modern version of it to the 1980s the late 1980s, which was super cool, because obviously for myself and a bunch of 80s babies, um, it was like watching one of our favorite horror films take place when we were growing up. So that was really cool. Um, I think Finn is honestly just got Hollywood by the fucking balls. He is definitely the next child superstar. Um, he was awesome in this film, just like he was awesome in Stranger Things. Um, I thought Sophia Lil- Lillis was fantastic as Bev. Um, again, this, the whole cast, I thought, did such a great job. Um, and then, of course, Pennywise, played by Bill Skarsgård. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Um, to myself, uh, kind of an unknown. Um, but a lot of people, I'm sure, are going to compare him to Tim Curry as Pennywise. And I think the really cool thing is that they're not comparable. I really think both films stand alone. Um, it's tough to compare both because of the times that they were done and because of the way that they were done. I, I kind of think of it as like Batman with the Joker. I look at Jack Nicholson um, in his version of the Joker, and I look at Heath Ledger, and I really think that there's a big comparison to be made to Tim Curry with Jack Nicholson and then Heath Ledger to Bill Skarsgård um, with Pennywise. I felt that this Pennywise was definitely more... Um, terrifying in terms of just the makeup and the aggressiveness and I do think one of the cool things about this film even though it didn't necessarily scare me because you know I, I know exactly what's going to happen is just the whole you know the whole 80s fear factor that they use with uh, scare tactics you know it definitely made you jump a couple of times and um, as you're watching this you're kind of thinking like holy smokes these, these poor kids they must be terrified and I read some article how uh Bill was saying that, you know, after they finished shooting, it took him a couple of weeks to kind of detox from Pennywise, and he had nightmares. So um, I think that, you know, all in all, the cast was excellent. I I thought the film was fantastic. Again, it didn't necessarily scare me, but I wasn't really expecting it to. Um, And I really look forward to the second film, which I'm sure they're going to do, obviously, um, when everyone's adults. And I think that will probably be even a little bit more um, disturbing, so to speak. But yeah, again, I really look forward to the uh, the second chapter, the second film, so to speak, which of course will get done because this film made a killing at the box office, and obviously it's not the full story, 
if you don't have it when they're adults. And I do think it's going to be even darker the second film than the first. Um, again, I was not expecting the first one to really be gory at all um, because of the, you know, large majority of just young children casted in this film. So I think the second one will be even darker and probably scarier and a little bit better um, overall. So I would give uh, the remake of Stephen King's It a solid 8 out of 10. The only real negative I have for this film was I felt it ran a little long. Um, I did enjoy the humor. I thought the humor was great, but I also felt that it maybe was just a tad bit overboard. Um, the CGI effects, you know, for a current horror movie, I thought were fine. Um, obviously, you know, I'm definitely old school and that I like to be scared by old school scare tactics. But again, having a really creepy, freakish clown that's teeth come flying out of its mouth, that's creepy. So, um, again, I give it 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. It's funny how I keep saying enjoyed it, and that actually means two things, and both of the correct things. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me um, give you my review on the film It, and if anyone else is listening and was questioning whether or not they need to see it, take it from me, someone who is very picky about today's horror films, go see the reincarnation of It. I promise that you will enjoy it. You might not get fully scared, but it's a great film. And with that, I will talk to you guys later. Cool. Thanks, Wiz. Yeah, that's uh, local Seattle rapper Dave Wisdom Mazeo, who you may have heard on the show before. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he covered a lot of points that, you know, I pretty much fully agree. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he he did bring up a lot of points. Like, like, knows his stuff. Yeah. Um, so as, as a Stephen King fan and as somebody who's read the book, um, it, uh, I, I, I went into this very apprehensive because, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for for the miniseries, even though technically it's not very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> technically. Technically. Uh, but, and, you know, I, I, I think everyone does. This had so much in, in my mind going against it. I agree. Uh, I mean, bouncing directors, bouncing Pennywise. um, uh, I mean, just trying to adapt one of one of Stephen King's not only just by page length longest books, but also most detailed books. So much happens in that, and there's so much character development, and there's so many different side stories in it that that you know you think like maybe the main story is being a little derailed, but it all comes back to event eventually. There's so much going on in that book. You know, I go into this very apprehensive thinking, okay, well, they're never going to do this movie justice. It looks cool. I'll give them that. But they're never going to be able to do this movie right. Um, on top of that, it's like Muschietti, he did Mama, which sucked. <laughs> um, and uh, I was not sold on Skarsgård as Pennywise. Um but I was proven wrong. Like, Muschietti did a fantastic job. Like, I couldn't have asked for more from uh, from a directorial um, perspective. Uh, Skarsgård nailed it. Like, like I couldn't. Like, what what Dave said uh, comparing the the Joker's. I've actually heard that comparison made several times. 
or I mean, seen it like in articles and stuff. Um, but it's actually a very apt comparison um, where, you know, Nicholson and Curry were very more centered characters and Ledger and Skarsgård are more like over the top erratic characters. Yeah. Um, it's pretty apt. Yeah. Uh, Pennywise still looked ridiculous. I will not backpedal on that. Like I still I, hated I, how he. Looked. I don't mind the makeup and the even the hair, but yeah, the the outfit is just yeah. I can't get past that. It was dumb. It, it was dumb. It was not what it like. It was not how he's described in the book. Um, and you know, I, I saw the movie with my dad, and we were discussing it afterwards, and you know, we were kind of chit chatting back and forth during the movie. Um, and you know, my dad, I don't I don't know a bigger Stephen King fan than him. And, you know, he was even telling me, it's like you gotta you gotta separate yourself from the book. You gotta accept, okay, well, this is something separate from the book mm-hmm. because exactly like I said, basically they're never going to make a movie that is one hundred percent uh true to the book. Because you the, you can't. Yeah. You're gonna make a six hour movie. <laughs> um but all things considered, it was amazing. And I, any bad words or any, any trashing I did of this movie, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily did, but if I did, I, I eat those words now. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, my only complaints came from the third act. And that's because the story went so far away from the uh, the book like the the ending was pretty much completely different well not completely but it took different turns that I just, they kind of had to though to set up the next movie yeah and that's what that's another reason that I was so apprehensive about them doing two separate movies you know and not intertwining the two uh, time periods yeah because I was worried something exactly like this was going to happen. Well, I mean, they've already said the second one's going, it's still going to be, like, it's still going to feature the kids very heavily. Okay. And it, it, the, the second one's going to be a lot of that kind of intertwining timelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, admittedly, in the book, it seems like more happens with them as kids than as adults. Got somewhere to be? No, my phone just keeps going off. Oh. Anyway, um, what do you, what do you, I hated it. <laughs> no, I'm fucking lying. It was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Uh, I, I had, I don't want to say low expectations cause obviously the, the hype around this movie was impossible to ignore. There was so much hype and that's, um, sorry, but the, the hype was turning me off a little bit, but I feel like, like similar to like it follows the hype was fan generated. It wasn't a PR campaign. It was people saw the trailer and went, that looks amazing. Yeah. Which I somewhat disagree with. I don't think the trailer was amazing. I think the trailer looked good. It looked like it. Yeah. And it, you know, made me interested. I didn't think it looked at anything amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the movie is fantastic. Yeah. Like this was by far and away without any second place, the best Stephen King adaptation. I mean, and there have been many. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, you know, you know, like Shawshank Redemption um, and the Green Mile, great adaptations. Um, but this one was, I, I, I don't know. I guess I have to separate those because those are amazing. I guess I should say best horror adaptation. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, the original miniseries, like I said, unless you have like a, um, what's the word? Like you're attached to it because nostalgic, um, like unless you have like a nostalgic attachment to it, kind of like I do. It's not very good. Even then, though. Yeah. Like, nostalgia only carries it so far. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a TV miniseries. It wasn't like it was a right. feature There's film. There's only so much they can do as far as content and time. And- yeah. Um, there was different, like, like changes in content. And, you know, I felt like people made more of a stink about the, the orgy scene than it really should have been. It's like, first of all, why are you guys obsessing about a sex scene between a bunch of teenagers? Like, young teenagers. Yeah. Not even, like, sexy 17-year-olds, you know? Second of all, (laughs) it's a train, not an orgy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then there's actually another part, which I haven't really seen mentioned, but only once. It's when Patrick Hochstetter, actually, he... Try he like either does or tries to blow Henry Bowers. Oh yeah, like Patrick was a really fucked up kid, probably more than Henry. Um, like Henry was an asshole and it just mean yeah. like, through and through. Patrick was like unhinged. I'm very curious about the decision to have Mike's parents be dead. Yeah, I, I, I leaned over to my dad. I'm like, Mike's parents weren't dead. Like, no. <laughs> and his like his dad seemed fairly pivotal, well, not pivotal, but fairly like relevant to some of the backstory, like the stuff with the black spot and yeah, and that just kind of got washed over. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, and Dave, you did pronounce Bill Skarsgård's name wrong. It's Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Um. He was amazing. Oh yeah, I want to talk about him. Like, I was like I said, I was not sold. Like I, because I don't think he was very good in Hemlock Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to play a character like Pennywise, I did not see it because his character in Hemlock Grove was very subdued. Didn't have you know extreme emotions one way or the other. Um, and even that, it didn't seem like he did it well. And Pennywise is, is like a real character. Yeah. Um, and he just nailed it. I mean, like... What I loved about it was he would go from being, like, funny and jovial to just being, like, terrifyingly dark mid-sentence. Yeah. It wouldn't even be, like, he would say something funny and then say something dark. It was just his voice inflections and his facial expressions and just freaky as hell. Yeah. And that's how Pennywise was in the book. Yeah. Um, regardless of how you feel about the miniseries, I feel like a lot of people really appreciate Tim Curry's uh, representation of Pennywise. Um, 
it was not quite in line with the Pennywise of the book. Skarsgård got really close. There's like the opening scene when he's talking to Georgie and he's talking to him about the, the, the whole circus blew away. Yeah. And then he's talking to him about all the different candy and uh, Georgie says he likes popcorn. And he's like, pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Like it pans to Georgie laughing and then pans back and he's just like, yeah, this he, dead face. And it's so freaky how he just like switches it off. Yeah. Well, something that something in the book is like, um, you know, Pennywise or it feeds on like literally feeds on children. Um, and that look that Skarsgård had just that lustful look. It's like. He, he looked like he was like one second away from like literally licking his chops. Yeah. Um, and man, that was just, it was, just, it was so perfect. Like the, the way he represented that character, I couldn't have asked for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I take back every bad word I said about, him. I mean, we, we both, we were not too thrilled with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, like, we did not have very high expectations. And it's like, you know, when they first said, oh, we're making an It movie. I was like, all right, cool. But I, then, it was like, okay, theatrical It. Yeah. I'm listening. But then the more... Like Fukunaga left and yeah. uh, whoever the first kid that was supposed to play Pennywise, he left. Poulter. Yeah, yeah. Will Poulter. Um, but I mean... And then like the people that we that they brought in, we were both just kind of like, uh... Yeah. I don't know about that. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, they say things happen for a reason and this is a perfect demonstration of that um i mean so like i said you know this this movie covers only when they when they're the kids and so that makes filling in the gaps difficult because it's not a constant story when they're kids in the book yeah a lot of times you know they'll they'll be you know in the present as adults and they'll flash back to when they're kids, something happens, they'll go back to them being adults and then it'll go. Sometimes, sometimes it'll go back to, you know, right after that previous event happened, but usually it's something completely separate, like, you know, weeks down the line or, you know, with a different kid. Um, so this movie had a lot of challenges as far as uh, making a cohesive story. Uh, and they just they really they really did well um staying tr- like perfectly true to the book um was just, i mean that just wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. you know like basically like what my dad told me is like there you have to separate yourself out from what happened in the book and how it happened because that can't be fully represented on screen you sure. can't um but no, I mean, I was I was excited for every minute of this of this movie. Um, you know, like Dave, uh, Dave said, you know, it, he felt it went a little long. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I there's nothing about it I would take out. No, you, you can't. Yeah, that's the thing. They they needed that length. Yeah, um, I, I when they first said what they were doing as far as making two separate movies, I knew that each one was going to be at least two hours. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I'm certain the next one's going to be every bit as long as this one, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I thought this movie, like there's there's four different kinds of scares. There's the jump scares. There's 
tension scares where you think something's going to happen and then something different happens mm-hmm. where you think something's going to happen and nothing happens and where you think something's going to happen and that happens and it, but it still manages to scare you. Yeah. And I feel like this movie somehow managed to do all four. Well, yeah. Yeah. Even the jump scares. Yeah. Uh, I was very impressed. Like, cause I was anticipating those. I was just like, Oh God, they're going to be jump scares just because that's what they do now. Mm-hmm. And you know, not as many as I would have thought, but even the ones that there were, it's just like, that was actually done really well. And I can always tell when, when I'm in a theater, if a scare is effective, because once the scene is over, you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's one part where, um, I love that nervous laughter <laughs> where Ben, he's, um, he's researching dairy, like, you know, as he does. And, um, he gets in, you know, there's, there's a, a element to the story in the book where um there is a coal plant or power plant that explodes uh, during an easter egg or easter celebration having it at the power plant for whatever reason um the yeah the plant has a meltdown a lot of people died a lot of children died and I liked that even though it wasn't a primary focus in the book, like it, or in the movie, like it was a little more so in the book, they did touch on that. And Ben is down in the basement looking for a book or something, and he hears like somebody walking down the steps. He and was chasing the Easter eggs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And he hears somebody coming down the steps behind him. He turns around, and it's just like, you know, you see like the ceiling you know, past the top of the stairs. You could see, like, legs, like, kind of, like, slowly hobbling their way down the stairs. Just like, what's going on? Yeah, who is that? And it's like, it's, I mean, I, I know it's something, but what is it? Yeah. And it's really taking its time. And then suddenly it gets down low enough to where you see that it is a dead child with no head. Yeah. Um, And just comes chasing after Ben. And it's just, fucking awesome it's terrifying and then and then uh pennywise pops up and calls him egg boy yeah <laughs> and starts chasing him um that, that scene like right before that happens there's a, a red balloon floats across the back of the library and that's mm-hmm. when ben first starts following there's a guy sitting two seats away from me who brought in a red balloon <laughs> and like right at that moment he let it go and it just floats up <laughs> and this woman behind us goes oh fuck you <laughs> Awesome. Was there a uh, a red balloon tied to a sewer grate anywhere near yours? No. Nope. Oh, there was for mine. Oh, really? Yeah, but it apparently deflated. So I think it was because I saw it on Friday, which was like the official opening day. Yeah. You know, a lot of people went to the preview screening the night before. I'm guessing that's probably when they put it there. Mm, probably because yeah, it was just a deflated womp womp like used red condom. Um, Gross. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah, just I was really excited about this movie. And like I, I mentioned before, uh, my excitement kind of fizzled a little bit, a little bit in the third act. Yeah. Um, just because I felt like it was deviating from the book too much. Like they, they took some liberties to make it fit more with the 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 time frame, time frame that they've, chose to put it in um 
to kind of adapt the characters a little bit to be more slightly more modern um, and you know to keep the the story flowing but there was just some parts that just it was too much like I don't know I, I don't want to get into yeah spoilers. that's kind of getting into spoiler territory there I can um, tell I, you about it later you know there's I, I the of course anything that comes out that gets rave reviews people have to there has to be people coming out of the woodwork to shit on it mm-hmm. and the the complaint I've seen about this is that it's not really a horror movie I don't know what the fuck movie would they be were watching yeah what what else would it be? Yeah, like people are like, oh, it's just like a drama, and it's like there is literally a clown that eats people. That's that's a horror movie. That's scary shit. Yeah, it's it's horrific things happening on screen. Yeah, and like the the one complaint I saw that I thought was valid, um, I want to say it was the New York Times, but the guy was basically saying that of course it was the. <laughs> Fuckers. The book basically uses Pennywise as a metaphor for these other horrific events, you know, like the um, the white supremacy group and the, the incidents at the black spot and whatnot. And that Pennywise is basically like the personification of the horrible human beings. And well, that, that didn't really play as well in the movie. It's things those awaken him. Right. These these tragic events, these horrific events of people doing evil to each other. That's what awakens it. Right. But he was just saying that the movie didn't really convey as well as that Pennywise was, you know, in essence, a metaphor. Yeah. And I, the I, evil I, that men do. I, I totally agree um, in that they don't, and you know, it's, it's maybe a little hard to do and maybe they'll cover it more in the second movie, but it really made it seem like Pennywise was an evil clown. Not, this creature Entity, that turns yeah. itself into anything it wants to be. Yeah. Anything, you know, it, it purposely changes, changes itself into something that will first engage a child like it did with Georgie because Georgie loved clowns. Um, that's why Georgie had no problem talking to a clown in the sewer because he loved clowns. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to talk to a, well, most people. But, <laughs> you know, a... a you know, a fun clown just in the sewer. That's how he's so silly. He's hanging out in the sewer. Um, this movie didn't really represent him. Re- represent it. It represented Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that was one of my complaints about this. Um, that kind of kind of ties in with my problems with the third act. Um, but no, I mean, honestly. As an entire film, I have almost no complaints. Yeah. Like, I, I loved this movie. Um, it it was long, but I was enjoying every minute of it. Even even, even the third act when I was kind of like, eh. It's like I was still, I was still enjoying myself. The thing is, it's, it's over two hours, but, like, it feels like it's two hours. It doesn't necessarily move quickly. Yeah. But it doesn't drag. Yeah. Um. Yeah, can't recommend it enough. Yeah, this is a definite must-see, guys. Like, I'm sure most of you have probably seen it already. But if you're if you're on the fence, if for whatever reason you're taking our advice, <laughs> definitely go see it. Uh, this is this is worth the what fifteen bucks you might spend on a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you know, we saw it in the XD, which is like Cinemark. That's their kind of version of IMAX, basically. But, I mean, if you have the opportunity to see an IMAX or any kind of like high def version of that, I would I would maybe spring for the extra few bucks that it might cost you. See, I saw it at Seattle Siderama, which is I think it's seventy millimeter instead of thirty five millimeter, mm-hmm. and plus I think the screen is bigger, but it's not it's not IMAX big, but it yeah. is a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's definitely worth seeing it in the theater. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to convince me that you know the, the like I said, fifteen bucks you might spend on a movie ticket is worth it, especially when the movie might be shit. But this one's worth it, guys. <laughs> like I said, I love hearing that nervous laughter after a, a spooky scene. Yeah. That fucking garage scene. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody that's seen the commercials has seen that. So, But um, it, it plays so well on the screen, even though you haven't seen it, even if you have seen it. Um, and there's kind of a, there's more to it than they show yeah. in the commercial. But, yeah. So, uh, really exciting movie. Really enjoyed it. Um, Do I want to give it a nine? I don't know. Do you? I don't know. Dave gave it an eight. Give it an eight. Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do eight because. If I had a say, I would have definitely changed some things in the, the last, you know, half hours, 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I'm an eight, too. Yeah. But that's no slouch. But I, I I, did consider nine, but I was like, yeah, there's just there's there's some things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I mean, an eight is still a must watch. Yeah, we don't give a lot of movies eights. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So watch it. Do not watch Death Note <laughs> or watch it. Whatever, it's free. If you already have Netflix, if you have Netflix, I mean, I think it's it's you know if if you've already watched everything else, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else on Netflix to watch. Which you know there are th- hundreds of movies, and really, how often do you actually feel like there's something to watch on Netflix? <laughs> I, I feel like it's worth a watch. I mean, don't go out of your way to see it, but it's it's worth something. Yeah. Cool. Episode 94. In the books. All done. Next Good episode, stuff. I will not be here. No, you won't. And I'm still trying to figure out who's going to fill your place. All right. So we're going to... No one can fill these shoes, baby. No, shoes smell bad. <laughs> exactly. That's why no one can fill them. <laughs> Uh, figure it out and um god what are we doing next episode i forget we're uh well you're gonna be doing the gate and monster squad right and you wanted to be here for that. i did want to be here for that when we can when you when you back uh tuesday mm. it's pretty late yeah maybe i'll call in or something yeah. maybe <laughs> no promises <laughs> all right well I'll be back with a special guest. Don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, until then, Taylor, where can these lovely people find us? Best place to find us, you lovely people, is at graveplotpodcast.com. I just renewed the URL today. Um, hey. <laughs> you can also Still su- ours. subscribe to the show 
and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it's not iTunes anymore. Um, really? Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> as well as Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, uh, tune in wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Right. And go see us at Patreon. Give us money. Uh, yeah. Uh, check us out at patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast to get yourself some sweet perks. Hella sweet. Hella sweet, bro. <laughs> Uh, and we'll probably be putting out our uh, September Patreon review here. Are, are we going to do it this weekend? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe we'll do it this weekend. I don't know. Okay. So until next time, guys, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Make you wish that you were dead, it'll make it hard to cope. They'll make you wish that you were dead and hang you by a rope.